Hey, hey, hey. What's the buzzin'? Tell me what's happening. This is the Pyro Light Podcast, episode 44. Today is Friday 9-9, and we are heading into the midst of week one, baby. Uh, this is Pyromaniac Mo, and you just heard a bit of The Witch from a band called The Bamboos. I believe I played that one once upon a time, but it's a good one, an oldie, but a goodie for sure. Uh, as I said, this is Pyromaniac Mo. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter, at Pyromaniac Mo. Of course, I am part of the Pyro crew. You can follow the rest of the gang, at Pyromaniac on Twitter. That's P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one, A-C. And I am with one of the Goo Fathers himself, Mr. Houdini. How are you, my friend? Doing very well. Glad to be with you here on the light. Happy. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while since we've uh, reminisced on the light, so uh, good to have you back. Well, it's uh, it's great that we're here. We only uh, we already had a game last night, and uh, now it's Friday night, and uh, I got I have one more final fantasy auction tomorrow. Uh, so we already had to declare our starters that would have played last night, so that part's all taken care of. But this is the only time. This is again one of those rare live ones. We get people coming in from multiple states, so it's good to get everybody together. Uh, and see everyone so I can see whose asses I'm going to kick as this season moves on. Uh, those are the best, man. They're your boys from back in the day when everybody gets together. Now it's uh, sometimes it's easy, but sometimes it's hard. It seems like the drafts I do now are mainly online. A few guys will get together, but it's tough. It, it's tough. So uh, cherish those moments, my friend. 100%. So, uh, yes, we are roaring. I am ready to go. Uh, I've been waiting, seems like forever, for this moment to happen, and, and yet here we are. So uh, Houdini, let's let's kick it off. Let's do a bit of recap. Uh, I wrote down some stats from last night. It was a good one, um, and, and give me your thoughts, but let's give it a breakdown here. So last night we had a, a rematch, basically, a rematch of the Super Bowl, so yes, Cam Newton last night, uh, 33 attempts, 18 completions, 194 yards. Wasn't great passing necessarily, one TD, one INT. Of course, the man rushed 11 times, 54 yards, and of course, got you the ground touchdown. Also on the ground, Jonathan Stewart, 15 carries, 64 yards. Now, before the game, they were talking about Kelvin Benjamin, uh, Riviera said that he might not even play as many snaps as he did when he was a rookie. I know that caused some panic among Benjamin owners, and lo and behold, he looked great. <laughs> Ten targets, six catches, 91, and a touchdown. What'd you think of uh, KB coming out firing? Not only coming out firing, this is one of those things. So, you know, Rivera can say whatever he wants to say about how he was going to be limited. This is a guy who I've been high on all offseason, um, higher than anybody else uh, on the pyro heavy and, you know, I said, this is a guarantee. I mean, I, I look at a guy that has a really high floor. This is a guy. I, I figure at minimum, you're going to see a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. And I really think that this guy has that potential to challenge for even more scores. And we saw it last night. So when you look at the distribution of what was going on, you had 33 attempts. He received the most targets. The only guy that received double digit targets with 12. The next closest is Greg Olson. And then after that, the next closest is Devin Funches with four. But Funches only caught one of those, and then he didn't see a, basically a target for the rest of the day. So I think when you look at Carolina, it is a two-headed monster as far as what's going to be the damage uh, in the receiving game because Ted Ginn had one target in the receiving game, didn't really do it. 
It's Benjamin and Olsen. And Benjamin's size, you saw it on that first drive, that first touchdown. That's what he brings in the red zone. Greg Olsen, as great as he is, not a major red zone uh, target like Benjamin is. Yeah. And like you said, uh, Ginn, Funches, and, and Philly Brown, according to PFF, and of course, I always forget I'm reading mine from PFF. They have their own guys that do the rankings. So PFF attributed Kelvin Benjamin with 10 targets. I think NFL actually attributed him with more targets. But bottom line, you can't argue with his catches. He was producing the other guys, Ginn, Funches, and Brown, uh, three combined catches, according to PFF, 25 yards, nary a score. So good old reliable Olsen and Benjamin was really the story there. On the other side of the ball, Denver, we got to look at uh, Trevor Simeon, uh, according to PFF, 18 of 26 for 178 yards, one touchdown, but two INTs, only rushed for an additional 20 yards, uh, big difference there, and I think might be the difference here in the season. Of course, Cam, his average depth of target, 8.2, versus a measly 5.6 for Simeon. Uh, that could hurt down the line. Another guy that folks were a little hesitant on. I mean, kudos for you with Benjamin for sticking to your guns. I was not as bullish on Benjamin, um, but a guy I was really excited about, C.J. Anderson. I, I dug up a neat stat. A lot of guys were a little worried about him. Before last night, he had 35 career games, nine of which he played through an ankle injury. In those nine games, he averaged 3.6 yards per carry. The other 26, 5.3. He wasn't injured last night, averaged 5.6, 20 carries, 92 yards, touchdown, uh, added four catches for 47, and another touchdown. I thought Anderson looked great, as did Janovich, the, uh, <laughs> the fullback, blocking for him. Now, the thing that, that stood out to me, and so as high as I was on Calvin Benjamin, I will sit here and I will eat my crow. I was so bullish, uh, not not a fan of of C.J. Anderson. And watching it last night as I'm sitting there in my auction, we got the TV on in the background, and I'm watching the speed that he was showing. I owned yeah. him last year, so I was watching all of his games. That speed that he added to his so his repertoire uh, this year is different than what I saw last year. And it was, I said, wow. You know, and, and here's the other thing you got to realize about C.J. Anderson, where now it becomes real for the rest of the season. You see what kind of offense the Broncos are going to run. Now, granted, Panthers are one heck of a defense. But Trevor Sivian is not going to be asked to create the wins. He's asked to manage the game, keep them in there so the defense can do what the defense does. Which, which they did in that second half, shutting down Carolina in order to secure the victory. Yeah, and uh, like I said, with on the ground game there with C.J. Anderson, I, I was high on C.J. even though I had him last year. You know, I think the injuries are, are clearly what was uh, hampering him last year. He's not injured now, looked fantastic. And I really like this Janovich, the addition of him opening holes, and boy, you saw a couple where Janovich opened the hole, and there was one guy there, and CJ made a cut like greased lightning, and he was gone. Looked great. Uh, not much out of Demarius, uh, 6 for 448. Sanders, uh, 5 catches for 49 yards. Uh, Virgil Green, I'm high on him. I'm curious as to what you think. I think I've got him maybe the highest out of us. I've, I think I've got him around 14 for a tight end. Only had 28 yards, but Four for four, so he has secured all of his uh, targets, and I think he's going to be a guy that Simeon might look to early and often, kind of a security blanket. So I, I do like Virgil Green. I think there'll be more to come 
from him. Yeah, I think you're right. And we saw it because he didn't really get any action in the first half of that game. It was basically coming down to the third quarter that all of a sudden you started to see him on back-to-back plays, being targeted, uh, making a nice catch, and getting first down. So, um, yeah, I, I think Virgil has room to grow. I mean, the one thing that you just have to worry about with all of these receivers, tight ends and receivers for Denver, is that you don't have – the, the the quarterback that is going to be throwing you 350 yards. I mean, you really got a guy who's probably on a, on a on a on a good average day going to give you a little bit more than what he gave you this week. So maybe you know, I, I predicted 180 to 200 on the on the uh, on the regular uh, podcast. I figure weekly in, he I figure him about a 200 yard to 240 at the high end. You know, maybe you get those 230 yards, but you you need him to give you some some uh, some more production on the ground than he did with his 20 yards on five carries in this game. Yeah, I think you know streamer going forward, uh, bye week fill in maybe at most. But yeah, I was hoping to see a little bit more out of his legs. But what a nail biter! I mean, uh, I got the tweet from you. you. You couldn't even get out of your car listening to it on the radio, right? Ears glued. <laughs> I was I was driving home. There's four minutes and six seconds left. And I parked the car, and I was having to drive around, and I live in the city here in Chicago, and I couldn't find parking, so I was three blocks away. And I'm like, I don't want to get out of the car and have to walk three blocks and then get into the house, and it's going to probably be the two-minute warning or something's coming out, and I'm, I want to know what's going on. And I was riveted to what was happening. And then you had that listening in the radio to hear the fourth down in 21, and inexplicably, illegal hands to the face. And I'm like, yeah. Carolina's going to move down the field, and they're going to get this, uh, this, this field goal. And then he blows it. Yeah, Denver ekes it out. Uh, that was quite an opener. Uh, Thursday games never as high scoring, but it was just interesting. Even though it wasn't a fantasy, you know, shoot 'em out game, it was just a good one to watch. Good one to crack open the season with. Well, the other thing that was great too, I'm, I'm talking to this guy in my uh, in my league last night, and he's like, you know, I've really this is the only league I'm in, but I've really gotten into betting on uh, on the games. So. And he's like, I bet the over in this game. I go, well, what was the over? He goes, it was 40 and a half. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. So he hit it. He got it. Yeah. Half a point to spare. Unreal. I'm like, Vegas is just too damn close with the way I'm like, I can pick the fantasy players. I cannot tell you, but based on point spreads and overs and unders and upwards, sideways down, I don't know what I'm doing on that. Well, uh, that's one thing with our heat index uh, for you folks out there wanting to get uh, the rankings this season. We got a new edition for Pyro Pro members. We're given the rankings. Uh, you, you can get the heat index, which does account for some of that stuff. I'm going to be working on a Vegas piece uh, very soon that, that dives into that. And, and speaking of, so essentially, you know, we're playing fantasy. We want touchdowns. We live and die with the touchdowns. So the, the easiest way... Is just to look at the over-under, high-scoring games. Uh, I will talk later on in, in my piece that I write how to figure out the implied team total and how to use that to your advantage. But just looking, we got a couple games right here off the bat that I think fantasy players might want to pay attention to. So this is a little segment. we got Huey Lewis and the news and notes. And I'm going to start it off with Pittsburgh and Washington. Uh, that's a 50-point game, according to Vegas. Uh, Washington is uh, three-point underdogs there, so Pittsburgh's expected to win on the road. Uh, Matt Jones, a little banged up, should be playing. Cousins, though, could pass early and often in that one, especially in the red zone. So that's a game I want ownership of, whether it's DFS or whether I'm contemplating a guy to uh, start off my bench. 
Pittsburgh, Washington's a good one. Another one, Detroit Indy, 51.5 over under. And then Oakland, New Orleans, 52 points there. So a couple of shootouts. And again, those are the games I want ownership of. I want guys in those games. Well, I'll tell you what, you're 100% right. And I know that at some point in time here, uh, we we do have our DFS picks. So I'm going to reserve that last game because I, I believe that is the special play for DFS is to get get at least I have I, I in my, uh, my my DFS play that I've done this week I have four players from the New Orleans and Oakland game. Yeah, baby, stacking them up and uh, just getting ownership, getting market shares of the guys from those big games. Again, we got three. This week, three games over 50 points, according to Vegas, the Pittsburgh, Washington, Detroit, Indy, Oakland, New Orleans. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, you've got Seattle. Uh, They have the largest spread of the week. Now, Miami, this isn't going to be a shootout game. But if you check out my uh, Vegas piece, which should be coming out in about a week, I believe, um, there's some knowledge and some advantages to be had by looking at the spread as well. Uh, They are 10-point favorites as they are home to Miami, so that's another one you can pay attention to, and I can talk about how you can take advantage of that. Even the lowest scoring game, so the other end of the spectrum, lowest scoring game according to Vegas is Minnesota-Tennessee, expected to score 40.5. Now, although I don't want a lot of ownership there, defense and perhaps uh, running back. So certainly the Seattle running game, if they're going to be favored by 10 points, heck, they're going to get up. They're going to probably run the ball. Miami's going to be looking to pass. So there's plenty of ways you can take advantage of what Vegas has to tell you. Couple other things. In the news and notes, we've got uh, Cincinnati, Tyler Boyd, still unbelievably, still listed behind Brandon LaFell. Uh, moving on down, we've got where my boy, go ahead. Who yeah, do you I'm jumping got? on the Tyler Boyd thing. I, I don't think that's anything that you should really be worried about. I mean, this is a rookie. Uh, Brandon LaFell is an established veteran. This is week one. Um, you know, this is also Marvin Lewis who wants to make sure, and I think it's a smart move. Okay. With the rookie, you don't want to necessarily just put him into that limelight and then he gets into a situation where he's going to be unsuccessful. Uh, you know, make him earn his stripes. And the thing is, with rookie wide receivers, and he's and we didn't really have a banner crop of rookie wide receivers this year. No. You didn't have your Julio Jones coming into the league. You didn't have an Amari Cooper coming in. So <clears throat> Tyler Boyd is a guy who was, what was a fourth or fifth round pick? Um, and, and he's just shown great ability. But I look for him to really make his stride where he takes it over. Just give him two or three weeks. Don't don't sour on that at all, and don't even take any. It, it could be one of those things. LaFell may be the guy that's out there for the first snap, but when it's all said and done, Boyd may end up having more touches uh, and and snaps during the the game than uh, LaFell. I agree, and there's something to be had there. AJ Green, obviously, de- defenses are going to pay attention to, especially while Eifert's out. Uh, they're going to need another pass catcher to step up elsewhere. This is a guy I got. In my high school draft, uh, Spencer Ware, he's looking to be the starter in Kansas City. I've heard talk with Charles um, as I've heard some pundits say perhaps a month now. Um, th- that hasn't come out from Kansas City, but certainly Ware is going to be the starter. He's the man to plug in week one. Some other interesting guy. Go ahead. What you got with uh, Ware in, in uh, Kansas City? I think the Charles thing is the interesting thing. So yeah. they are, you know, they're not going to rush him back. They don't really need to. They have... You know, a, a big, a lot of depth there with Ware and Charkandrick West and Niall Davis. So they're yep. not feeling like they have to like rush Charles back. They want to make sure he's 100%. But the thing is, 
hopefully you were smart enough not to draft Charles. And now is the time to go to those owners and buy low. And we've had some things uh, on the Py- our Pyro Pro coming through on our second opinions. Guys have been uh, talking. There was one. It was he was offering Jeremy Macklin and James White, and the guy wants to give him Amir Abdullah and Jamal Charles. Mm. I said, well, wow. I, I mean, yeah. you got to do that because just what if you can sit on Charles for the three four weeks, and then he comes yep. back, even if he's only eighty percent of what he was when he was last playing. He's a game changer. That's it. Yeah, he's amazing, especially PPR, uh, what he can get done. And, you know, with that offense that they love to run it through him, they don't have a whole bunch of pass catchers there. And he, like I said, he gets it done on the ground and in the air. But you got to have some patience with him. Um, uh, Where's a great fill for the first couple weeks. I got him in the 11th round. I think I'm starting him this week uh, against San Diego. That's something I'm going to touch on later. Some other news, if you've been sleeping or if you've been uh, busy with life, Lord knows we're busy enough with life, but uh, maybe we don't do it all that well because we we are uh, addicted to fantasy. We've got your back, Pyromaniacs. Um, Wentz, he, he's going to start in Philly. I don't know if he's ready. Uh, could be maybe a sneaky Cleveland defensive play, but to be honest, I'm kind of staying away from that one. I just don't know what to expect out of Wentz. This early, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, he was like third on the depth chart, and now he's being pushed into uh, the starting role. That's going to be an interesting one. Some other depth chart moves, we've got Bray and ASJ down in Tampa listed as co-starters, so I'm kind of stepping back, taking the temperature there. C. Mike, you Christine Michael truthers, Lord knows I was one last year, he's going to be the man in Seattle at least for week one, while Rawls gets eased back in. Uh, Rawls was indeed able to practice uh, for the first time this week. I believe he practiced today, Friday. But still, most people agree it's going to be C-Mike toting the rock. Uh, They've also got C.J. Proceis there and a plethora of backs. The Chargers, um, they're on the touchdown watch from my dog. Antonio Gates needs just seven to tie. Eight to take the lead, to take the all-time tight end touchdown record. I think uh, they've already talked about giving it to him. Uh, the one main concern is their offensive line. Uh, last year, the offensive line missed a combined 30 games between all of them, uh, and they didn't do much to uh, put the Band-Aid on that this season. So still love Gates, just hoping they don't need him to block. Uh, Gronk, you hear about this one? Gronk did not travel. He did not travel with the Patriots, and he is not expected to play week one. Keep your eyes peeled on that, but I don't think he's going to play. Some other ones that folks know about, Sean Hill. Of course, he's starting while Bradford uh, reads the playbook. Ajahi, he's out in Miami, as is center Mike Pouncey. Uh, Julio talked about him being a little ankle tweak, but he practiced fully today and yesterday. Kenneth Dixon, we know, is on ice. They got a full-on running back by community there. I'm thinking Weston Forsett are the early down guys. Uh, Javoris Allen's probably the pass catcher there. Something I'm just probably staying away from until we get some clarity. Uh, White, your dog in uh, in Chicago, he was limited in practice today, as were three of the Bears' secondary. Uh, one reason I'm liking Will Fuller. What do you think? Oh, I'm, I, Bears, Bears, Houston. I put Will Fuller was my um, it was either my low cost dart thrower or sleeper pick this week for my DFS piece. Um, yeah, you have Tracy Porter, who's just made it back to practice. You have Kyle Fuller, who basically is is 
very questionable. Uh, we've only been able to participate in a very limited basis. Uh, and then you just have a, a plethora of young players out there, right? You got you got uh, Amos, who was a second-year player, who was a fourth-round pick out of Penn State last year. And then you got uh, a couple of these rookies that they that they got this year. One, the one guy from Northern Iowa and the other guy from Miami. So um, Bush and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. But don't worry, you'll be able to get their names if you watch the game as Will Fuller and Nuke are running past them a deep yep. on some touchdown catches or some big plays because it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I'm a DFS play. I'm going to talk about Fuller later. Uh, great opportunity, as is Detroit, because they're going up against Indy. And Indy also has three key secondary guys that look like they are going to be out. Uh, Butler, Vontae Davis, the big one there, and Gathers, they should all be out for Indy. Uh, Golden Tate on the other side of the ball in that game. He was limited earlier, but he was able to go full uh, Thursday and Friday today. Chris Ivory, limited in practice Friday, as he was all week, one to watch. If you're in deeper leagues, Farrow Cooper did not play, or I'm sorry, did not practice, uh, but appears to have been back on the field today, Friday. He hadn't practiced all week, but he did get in some work today, one to watch. Devontae Parker, as you know, did not practice Wednesday, Thursday, limited. And uh, Steven Stills is still the man until further notice there. Of course, Landry is the man, but uh, Stills is ahead of Parker. Did you say, say Steven Stills? I did. <laughs> in, in Crosby and uh, Nash, they uh, they are all catching balls from Tannehill down in Miami. Yes, it's going to be a great great year for the Dolphins. Um, Devontae Parker, as I said, uh, did not practice. Moving on to the Vikings, Charles Johnson, Jarek McKinnon, both limited in practice today. A few more to round this off here. Michael Thomas, the New Orleans Michael Thomas, he too was limited in practice Friday. Keep an eye on that one. Um, in New Orleans, I'm curious as to your thoughts. We both like Fleener. There's been a lot of talk, though, that he is struggling to learn the playbook. He hasn't quite fit in, but I don't know. That's such a high-powered game. That's one of those games that's over 50 points. All, you know, all he has to do is score a touchdown. What are your thoughts? Are you concerned with the talk coming from the New Orleans camp about Fleener's inability to fit in? No, I'm not. I'm not concerned about Fleener at all. I'm actually like, I'm so high on this guy and this offense you look at the fact of this of okay who was their who was their tight end last year uh a Ben Watson who's been in the league now for was it 12 years and he had 110 targets last year Ben Watson only the second time in his career first time since 2010 that he's had over 100 targets finished with 74 catches a career high finished with 825 yards a career high finished with six touchdowns matching a career high so if ben watson is doing that yeah. and then you also look at what this offense was with jimmy graham how they've always utilized the tight end how they're not with and with jimmy graham did they ever ask him to block they don't need to ask fleener to block fleener's just got to get out there get open and he's going to get the ball and i i have a feeling that he's going to be very active and he's going to make a heck of a statement mm -hmm. in week one well, let's put a pin in that just for a second. Let me wrap up two more guys. Marcus Wheaton did not practice Thursday, Friday. That's one to watch. Maybe a uh, <clears throat> Mr. James, calling Mr. James. I'll talk about him. And uh, Matt Jones, he's been uh, roughed up, but he went through a full practice today. Keenan Allen, uh, his was a non-injury. If you saw that he did not practice this week, it was a non-injury. He should be fine. Uh, but let's get back to Mr. Fleener. And we've got a couple of picks 
for you. Bold predictions, dare I say. Houdini, we're, we're here at the precipice of the season. We've got one game behind us. We've got the whole season in front of us. Give me a bold prediction that you think is going to happen this year, 2016 NFL. All right, well, we'll, we'll stick here with the Kobe Fleener. Yeah, yes. I believe that Kobe Fleener challenges Gronk for best tight end this year. So I know that you have the Jordan Reed out there. you got the Greg Olson. Um, but I'm going to tell you what, again, I, I, I just look at what – uh, New Orleans does with the tight end. You look at a guy in Fleener who really is coming off of a, of a real down year uh, last year in Indianapolis uh, where he went from 774 receiving yards in 2014 down to 491. Saw his touchdown uh, drop from 8 to 3 last year. So this is a guy who really wants to make amends. He's on a team that's going to be able to do it. They have the good balance on this team with Mark Ingram in the running game. And you have Drew Brees. I'm just telling you, I, I think that all signs point to where he's going to sneak up on guys, and it's going to be, before you know it, that he's just going to be putting up monster, monster games. And again, now we have Gronk who's going to be out for week one, so and he's going to be without uh, Brady for three weeks, so that brings the, the, the playing field more to level. And again, I just don't worry about him like I do with Jordan Reed with the with the injury concern. And where I was able to get Fleener in my drafts in like sixth, seventh round, you know, it didn't hurt me to take him. I like it. I've been high on Fleener. Uh, I like the bold pick uh, that I'm with you. I think he's going to be, I've got him top five, uh, but uh, you've got him right up there. I, I like it, man. I like the call. Now, Pyromaniacs, you got to hang tight, but I do want to talk to you about one or two things here. Of course, you can find the wealth of the Pyromaniac podcasts on all your iTunes and Spreaker and Stitcher and podcast stations. Uh, of course, we are dropping the knowledge, so if you would please do us a favor and give us a review, we've got an offer for you. We have two limited edition Walter Payton Sweetness Prints. This was a limited run. Now, what we're going to do after week four of the regular season, we are going to give those two away. All you have to do to qualify is leave a review on iTunes. If you've already left one, who doesn't have two or three uh, email accounts these days? Find a way, leave us a review, and then all you got to do is do a screen grab of the review, send it to me. That's at mozambique at pyromaniac.com. That is M-O-Z-A-M-B. I-Q-U-E at pyromaniac.com. We're going to announce the winner on the Pyro Light after week four. That's going to be episode 48. That's going to be right around November 7th. Leave us a review, and you can get one of these cool uh, Walter Payton sweetness prints. I've got one. Uh, they are really cool. I'm looking forward to putting it up in my closet slash office that I am coming to you from right now. Uh, but they are really, really neat. I, now I, I believe they're signed as well. Signed by the artist. Yes. Yeah, they are uh, they're super well done and a, a limited run. So I think that's an awesome deal. Uh, we are giving out to people, uh, spice up your house a little bit and uh, give some homage to Walter Payton. Now, we're going to pause momentarily to pay the bills, get a bit of a, a commercial break. But Houdini, I want you and the listeners to think about this as we pause for a commercial break. Now, conjure in your mind, if you will. All of the great running backs that have gone through Miami University. All of the great hurricanes. So I'm going to throw out a couple great running back hurricanes for you. Of course, we've got uh, the likes of Lamar Miller, Duke Johnson, 
uh, Frank Gore, Willis McGahee, uh, Clinton Portis, Edger and James, just to throw out a few. I want to ask you after the break and listeners to think about this, who holds the record out of those fantastic backs? Who holds the record for most rushing yards while in college? Think about that as you listen to this. We will be back. All right, Pyromaniacs, welcome back. You're listening to the Pyrolite Podcast. It's me, Pyromaniac Mo, and Houdini coming at you. And I asked the trivia question, who holds the current Miami Hurricanes running back all-time rushing record? Houdini? I named a few guys, and it is indeed, it's not a trick question, it's one of the guys I named. Who do you think holds the record for most rushing yards while at Miami? This is a really interesting question because you got to remember what happened to these guys. A lot of these guys... Didn't get to play that long. So you had Willis McGahee, who blew out his knee while he was there. You have Frank Gore, who also suffered injury. Um, I do believe that, if I'm not mistaken, Frank Gore was there while Clinton Portis was there. So, you know what? I'm putting my money on the edge. I'm going for Edron James. Edron James, I believe is second, and you know who it is? Is it Gore? Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson did it in 2014. Uh, I forget who I was talking to told me this, and I, I didn't believe it. I'm like, no way. And I Googled it. I, I couldn't believe it was Duke Johnson. But like you say, though, that's running back you. A lot of those guys did leave early. Duke Johnson, 3,519 rushing yards while at Miami. And think about it now. He's not even like the the running running back. He's the pass catching running back. So got a lot of potential in that man. I, I'm a Duke Johnson truther. I like that guy. Uh, I want to see what he can do uh, under uh, Hugh Jackson. Yeah. One quick note that I want to make is that I'm 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 I had in my 16 team keeper league where we had the rookie drafts. I had Frank Gore as a rookie. Had him for his first seven or eight years. And last night he came back home to Team Billy Baru. Uh, and I reacquired Frank Gore. He's going to finish his career where it started with me in my league. So glad to have him back. I got uh, Frank Gore in my high school league, so I I'm with it. I think I got him, I don't know, ninth round or something. This is a redraft. Eight, I think I got him eighth round. Uh, but my, I'm happy with that. There's no one else there in, uh, in Indy. You know, he, he had a chip on his shoulder. He didn't get to that 1,000-yard mark last year. He's going to do it this year. And with uh, a healthy Andrew Luck, even though they got kind of a shoddy line, I think he can get there again. So I got to ask you, Mo, do you have a bold prediction? Well, funny that you mention it because I do have a bold prediction. Now, the first one is we've, we've got a couple here, but the first one is not going to shock anyone. I think if you've been listening long enough, you know my Moncrief belief. I believe that Moncrief in PPR formats, is going to outscore Hilton. I think it's going to be close. Hilton, I still like in standard. And indeed, in the Pyro rankings, I have Hilton just a little bit higher, but we rank standard. In PPR, I think he can do it. Uh, a couple reasons I've said, and I'll say it again, he's the tallest wide receiver at 6'2". Uh, all the other starting wide receivers are under 6 feet tall. Uh, Indy lacks a real bruising back in the red zone. As we said, they've got Gore, but... Once they get in close, I think uh, Andrew Luck is going to look for the, a tall 
pass-catching wide receiver. Now, last year, when Luck was on the field, ironically enough, Hilton had less receptions while Luck was on the field than Moncrief. Moncrief, I believe, had one more, but still Moncrief had more receptions while Luck was on the field. In fact, 30%, five of Luck's 15 touchdowns, which, you know, I can check my math, but five of Luck's 15 touchdowns went to Moncrief. Uh, So I think he looks for him once he gets down there. Uh, Hilton is the field stretcher, but with his size and his frame and the lack of running back, I think he can easily uh, make his hay in the red zone. And of course, in the PPR, he's going to get the receptions. So I believe Moncrief is going to overtake Hilton as uh, the number one wide receiver in Indy in PPR formats. Well, that's an inch. That is a bold statement. And I'll tell you, because I own T.Y. Hilton in one of my keeper leagues. But I also, in my main redraft league, drafted Moncrief. And I took Philip Dorsett as a backup just to be safe. So Hey, I, I love this offense. I mean, uh, Dwayne Allen, Lord knows I'm a big Dwayne Allen guy. I love um, I love them all. I think they're all fantastic. I think it's going to be a great offense. I just hope the line can keep Mr. Luck upright because, man, he, he does suffer a lot of hits, and that's going to be perhaps the downfall. Uh, I hope they can work some magic and, and keep him safe. What's another bold prediction you want to lay on the listeners? All right, so there's been no surprise about this if you've been listening to the Pyro Heavy. I'm a big Derek Carr backer. I I like what Derek Carr is bringing to the table this year. I also love the fact that you talk about a schedule. Uh, He's got a good schedule. You know, they're playing against the NFC South, so you're going to get the Saints, you're going to get the Bucks, you're going to get the Falcons, and you're going to get, okay, the Panthers are going to be tough, but three of those are not tough. Uh, then you also get the fact that uh, the way that they're matching up, they're playing against the uh, the AFC. It's the uh, the North, right? So you got uh, uh, is it the North or they got the I got I got to see, but I, you got Ravens on their on their calendar. Horrible secondary. You got the Jaguars who still haven't proven anything yet. You have uh, uh, a Bills team that that does have a good defense, but. I like what Derek Carr is going to bring. I think on a week-to-week basis, with the, with all of the young talent that they have, uh, seeing how they're going to put it together, letting him really take control of this offense, a second year with Amari Cooper, you got a Clive Walford who I think is going to make some major strides this year. you still got Michael Crabtree who can do some damage. you got a solid running game with Latavius Murray, and you added in DeAndre Washington, so you're going to have support there. I think that this is just a really smart, savvy quarterback. And week one, just watch. He'll take advantage of the Saints in week one. And then he gets the Falcons in week two. I mean, and then he gets the Ravens uh, in week uh, four. So three of his first and the Titans in week in, in the week before. It's a pretty easy schedule. Yeah, good schedule out of the box. And, you know, a lot of people pointed out last year that he had, it was a the Dickensian, tale of two cities. There was a tale of two halves, did great at the beginning, and really uh, settled down. I mean, didn't do terrible, but he certainly, his numbers weren't nearly like they were the first half. And lo and behold, it comes to find out, we had plantar fasciitis on Amari Cooper, which I think was a large portion of why, Carr didn't do as well second half, and I think um, we're going to see that offense progress, that defense is, is really turned it around, so I think they are going to take a big step forward. I agree. All right. You got one more for us? I, I do. It's a quarterback myself. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what to do here, 
But I went with my boy, Stafford, from the Lions. I think he's going to finish QB1 this year in 12-team leagues. I think I have him ranked exactly that at uh, QB number 12 in our standard rankings. Of course, at quarterback, I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, But last year, in fantasy points per game, he was indeed number 12. Now, when Stafford was the quarterback, or I'm sorry, when Cooter took over, Took over about week eight, uh, the Kansas City game, I believe. From week eight on, Stafford was the 10th best quarterback, and in that time, he was only seven points out of fifth. So from week eight on, Stafford had 188 fantasy points, according to PFF. Cousins was number five with 195, so he was right there under Cooter. Stafford last year under Cooter was the most accurate, statistically, of his career. They're running a no-huddle. A great deal of the time this year. Now, Stafford always seems to flirt with 600 attempts. Uh, He's had at least 590 since 2011. Not that volume is always the thing that we chase. I chase volume at every other position. But quarterbacks, you want efficiency and you want accuracy. And that's what you have with Stafford. As I said last year, most accurate year. Uh, I'm going to talk about him a bit later, too, and one of his pass catchers. But a bit of a preview there in the red zone. Guys with at least 30 attempts, he was the most accurate inside the 20 and inside the 10. And in fact, inside the 10, he was 75% accuracy. Under Cooter, the Lions led all other teams with red zone touchdown rate. The average for the season, for the uh, league was about 20. Under Cooter, Stafford, once he got in the red zone, scored a touchdown 44% of the time. It was incredible. Uh, Cooter, I think, has just turned this team around, and I'm excited to see them carry this forward. Uh, I think Stafford can easily get inside the top 12 with the amount of times that they're throwing it and the no huddle that they're running and his accuracy. I think it all is going to come together this year for Mr. Matthew Stafford. No, I'm with you 100%. I I can see that happening, and he's a guy that has just fallen out of the graces of uh, of love. Nobody, no one loves him anymore in their drafts. He's a guy that's available in a ton of leagues right now. Um, like when you, when you look at him and you look at Matt Ryan, there's just a complete difference. Even though Matt Ryan has Julio Jones, he's got nothing else. And the the other thing that you look at with uh, with Detroit is I'm not sold on their running game. So I'm not sold on Amir yeah. Abdul being able to be the guy. I know Theo Riddick is good, but Theo Riddick only helps Stafford out because it's as a receiver mostly that he's doing his damage. And when you're not able to run and, and your defense is, is honestly, it's not that good. They're picked to be, I think, 5-11 and 11 this year. It means they're going to be playing from behind. So Stafford's going to have to throw that ball around a lot. Now, granted, you don't have Calvin Johnson, but in some regards, I think that this could be a blessing in disguise for Stafford. So now instead of just force feeding and trying to throw some passes to Calvin Johnson. Maybe now he'll do a better job of surveying the field and find the better matchups that are out there. Yeah. In in fact, uh, I'm going to just segue right into our our next segment here. Um, Essentially what we're talking about for this next one here is streaming candidates and waiver wire. And it kind of occurred to me that we're, we're talking about the same thing, except we use different names. So if you're picking up a quarterback or a tight end or a defense, you often call it streaming. You're going to pick up somebody off the waiver wire and play, and then you might stream if you have to. Once again, the goal is not to stream for all of you out there. The goal is to land a guy and to stay with a guy. You know, it's not like you're catching a fish. I caught the fish this big. Uh, I streamed 10 quarterbacks last year. 
That's not what you're shooting for. You're just shooting to land a good guy. Same thing off the waiver wire. So whether you call it a waiver wire pickup or whether you call it streaming, we're talking about guys in this segment that's available in at least 50% of leagues that you can grab right now and play. Yeah. The one thing I would tell you, like the only way that I would call it streaming would be if you want to use that for DFS, right? Like streaming quarterbacks and DFS is, and I know you're picking a new team each week, but what I mean by that is by, Never spending top dollar on a quarterback. Never spending even that mid-range on a quarterback. If you're if you're looking at it saying I'm going to get always get the top skill positions and I'm going to find that DraftKings forty-five hundred to fifty-four hundred dollar quarterback or that five thousand to fifty-six hundred dollar quarterback in FanDuel that I can spend the extra three thousand dollars that I would have spent on that and put it into an extra running back or an extra wide receiver. I can understand that more from streaming. So that. That's my only one thought on that. And, the, you know, we're going to talk about some DFS guys. We've got the, the daily do's and don'ts, which is a piece we have on the site. And you and I are also going to talk about some daily do's and don'ts, or at least some DFS plays that we like. Uh, I'm kicking this off, though. Once again, streaming, waiver wire, whatever you want to call it. We're talking about guys that are available in at least 50%. And we use, just for the record, uh, fantasy, NFL Fantasy. And indeed, Stafford, the guy I was just talking about that I made a bold prediction on, I was surprised. You said guys have kind of fallen out of love with him. He's available in 61% of leagues. I was really shocked at that. Uh, 61% of leagues on NFL, the NFL fantasy. As I said, he was the most accurate in the red zone last year. Now he's got a guy in Marvin Jones who since 2012 has the third highest touchdown rate inside the red zone. He scores a TD 38% of the time. Only Dez and Brandon Marshall have a higher success rate inside the 20, and he's paired with Stafford. I think Stafford's going to be great. Um, as I said, he was uh, incredibly accurate last year, especially once Cooter came on. Now that Cooter is running the no huddle, I just think it's going to be through the roof. Everything is coming together for Stafford. He's got some weapons. He's going to be able to distribute. They're not going to lock in on one guy, but he's going to be able to spread the ball around. And this week is a great week to play. Uh, this matchup is going to be a high-scoring affair, as mentioned at the top. Lots of opportunities. It's one of the three games that's expected to score over 50 points. Um, last season, when on the other side of the ball, they're playing the Colts. Last season, when Luck was in the game, the Colts were on pace to keep up with the Eagles for second-most plays from scrimmage. So <laughs> you've got that going with the Colts. You've got the Lions running no huddle. There's just going to be a ton of scoring opportunities, a ton of plays run. And as we mentioned... Darius Butler, uh, Clayton Gathers, and Vontae Davis are all out uh, on the secondary, so I think Stafford's going to be able to pick them apart. Available 61% of the uh, in uh, NFL leagues. Who, sir, do you like for a quarterback uh, stream or waiver wire pickup, whatever you like to call it? Well, uh, one that I'll take is who I think is like probably the safest streaming quarterback or waiver wire guy. If you need someone for a week, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, Fitzmagic, okay, this week they're going against the Bengals. So what that says to me is, yeah, you got a tough defense that you're going up against. But that tough defense is going to be uh, a much better job at shutting down the running attack. And it's going to force 
Fitzpatrick to use his big wide receivers, which he's got two very talented ones in Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. And if you look at what Fitzmagic did last year, you know, this is not a guy who you're expecting to give you 300 whatever yards, but he's going to give you what you expect for a guy that you're picking up off the waiver wire to play in a week. He's going to give you about 250 yards and two touchdowns. And he gives that to you almost religiously. You might get an interception, but big deal. He's going to give you solid production all the time. He's a professional quarterback. He's not He's not the Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, going to give you the Drew Brees, the 450-yard game. But he's also not going to give you the Trevor Sivian, 178 yards, one touchdown, and two interception dud. So, And, and if you go back to the history of him, going back when he was on Buffalo, he has great starts to the season, so I would be all over it here early in the year. I love the Fitz magic. I, I had him last year. Uh, I think it was in my high school league when I had an, an oft-injured Acostas Furberger. Fitzpatrick was the guy that I often locked up and ran with. I, I loved it. And uh, since we're on the Jets, give me a running back that you find available on most waiver wires uh, that you would pick up and play this week? Uh, I don't know that I necessarily pick him up and play this week, but I pick him up and I hold him, and that's Bilal Powell. And Love it. I like, you know, number one, follow the money, all right? So Matt Forte is the big name. Everybody's paying up in drafts for him, uh, grabbing him. Forte is going to be the guy. They're going to give him everything. They didn't pay him that much more than Bilal Powell. I think it was about a million-dollar no. difference in the, in the three-year contracts that each of them signed. They obviously like Bilal Powell. They just wanted to bring someone with a more veteran uh, stance to come in there because they're, they want to have that, that leadership as they're trying to make it to the playoffs. But as things go on, and we saw here in Chicago at least, I saw a Matt Forte who just really was not the Matt Forte that he had been the previous two or three, four years where he was one of the more dominant running backs in the NFL – he really seemed to struggle, um, and and in a running back friendly offense that Adam Gase and John Fox were running. So with that in mind, it, Bilal Powell is that sneaky guy. Especially if you're a Matt Forte owner, I think you better be all over Bilal Powell. And if not, remember this: Powell was the guy last year when Ivory was the big uh, hammer over there. He is their pass catching back, but he can also run in between the tackles. So. I just think that there's just too much upside with this guy. Uh, he's one of those guys that's kind of been hanging around, hanging around. You always hear about him a little bit in fantasy, but this is a year I think he's going to make his mark in Todd Bowles' offense. I love the pick. I've got him in my high school league, and I've even been contemplating him. Um, I, I've got Jeremy Hill. Hill, of course, this is the same game. I believe the, the Cincinnati's playing the Jets, if I'm not mistaken, yep. this week. Uh, the Jets have a great run defense, um, so I'm contemplating maybe even playing Blow Powell. Uh, two reasons. One, Cincinnati last year, according to Football Outsiders, versus running backs out of the backfield, was only 24th. Uh, so bottom third against backs coming out of the backfield. That's what Blow Powell is going to do. And they released Curie Robinson, yeah. which tells me they've got faith in Blow Powell once they get in there because Lord knows Matt Forte is one of the most least efficient backs once you get inside the 20. He just... They've given him plenty of chances, but he can't really get it done. He doesn't convert the touchdowns. I think Bilal Powell could score some sneaky touchdowns uh, this season. Now, like you say, I'm not 
convinced totally I'm going to start him against a, a, a tough defense in Cincy, but I love it all year long. I love the call all year long with Powell. And I love your point about the touchdowns because that's 100% true. I think Forte in all of his years here in Chicago it was only one year that he actually was actually effective as a red zone rusher. Other than that, and, and the benefit of why he got all those touches, because there was nobody else here that could run in the red zone. You had the Marion yeah. Barbers who fumbled the ball. You had uh, Chester Taylor going all the way back. That was brought in with him. So uh, uh, a Bush, a Michael Bush, who was running. So you had all these guys, and none of them could ever step up to the role. So Forte just ended up being forced into that role. Bilal Powell will take that away from him this year. And it will be probably – the least likely looking vulture uh, of touchdowns that there has been in the NFL in a long time. I like it. I like it a lot. That's why I picked him up. I've been talking about him up uh, this offseason. Let me give you my running back. And actually, I've got a few that are available on the waiver wire. Um, just a few to mention quickly, both Sproles and McKinnon, guys that are available in over uh, 80% of leagues on NFL Fantasy. Uh, with Sproles, they're starting a rookie quarterback. He may check down often. They've got an oft-injured Ryan Matthews. Uh, Sproles could potentially get some carries when Ryan Matthews is out. They don't have a solid backup. They've got... Um, Oh, the guy from Oregon, Kenyon Barner, who's really backing him up now, not Smallwood. Uh, so I think there could be some opportunity opportunity there for Sproles. They, they chased all of the Chip Kelly guys out, but they kept Sproles. I think he could kind of be that safety net. Uh, another guy that I mentioned, McKinnon, pass catching back, in line for more catches this season. In, in that North Turner offense, run-heavy offense, if AP does go down, I think McKinnon's a shoe in for a top 20. Um, that happened in 2014, except at that point it was Asiata. I think he was like 14th or 16th right around there. I think that offense is just beautiful for a running back. And if, God forbid, anything happens to AP, I think McKinnon can fill in. But the real guy, I've already talked about him, the one I'm going to put my name on is Spencer Ware. Uh, you can pick him up now. He's owned in just over 25% of leagues. Well, we already talked about this. Jamal Charles not going to be getting the work this week. Kansas City's playing at Arrowhead. Uh, that's a tough place to play. And who are they facing? They're facing San Diego. Now, last year against the Rush, Football Outsiders ranked San Diego 31st. Uh, game script, if you're talking about looking at Vegas and the game script, Kansas City is favored at home, which I love to play a running back at home. They're favored by six and a half points. You're talking about a very positive game script. They're going to get up. They're going to chew the clock, run the ball, and play defense. Uh, last year in both PPR leagues, this is something that I thought was amazing for where both PPR and standard out of backs that had at least 10 carries. No other running back had more points per opportunity than Spencer Ware. And that's always been a little sneaky stat that I've used to find guys that uh, maybe didn't get as many carries or didn't get as many looks, but were really efficient. They're going to get a boost next year. And Spencer Ware blew them all out of the water. He was the man. So I really like Spencer Ware, guy you can pick up and play this week. I think that's a great move, too, because you got to look at it. Why do you think that Andy Reid, who is such a – main guy, like Jamal Charles is his main guy, dominant type coach, yep. they're willing to wait on him and make sure he's 100% healthy because they have guys like Spencer Ware. So it's a great call. 
Yeah, absolutely. We saw what he could do last year, and like you say, Andy Reid, he's a he's a run guy. This is a run game script, and Spencer Ware, we saw what he did. He passed the eye test. He's going to get it done. Grab him now. Go Be confident. Plug him in and play. Before we hit some of these other streamer candidates and waiver wire guys, we're going to take uh, one more pause to pay the bills. Uh, of course, we're going to get to our DFS segment very soon, but I just wanted to tell folks that fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. Play whenever you want. Just pick your sport and draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Over $1 billion are being awarded at DraftKings.com. This year, you could be the next big winner. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. All new users to DraftKings will receive a deposit matching bonus for up to 600 big ones. That's going to release at the rate of play, and you can even get a free $3 game voucher. DraftKings.com. Just enter the promo code PYRO. All right, Houdini and folks at home, trivia question number two. According to FF Today, a site we know and love, PPR scoring, which team surrendered, so which defense, which team surrendered the most points per game to opposing tight ends last season? So last season, if you were going to pick a defense to play against, or I'm sorry, pick a tight end to play against any defense, what was the best defense to play your tight end against Think about that while you listen to this. We will be back. All right, folks, we are back with the Pyromaniac Light fantasy football podcast. Uh, I'm sitting here. I am Pyromaniac Mo. I have the good graces to be with my man Houdini. And we ask you the trivia question, according to FF Today, last year in 2015 in PPR scoring, which team surrendered the most points per game to opposing tight ends? What do you think, Dini? Oh, man, this is tough. I, I, I Here's where my gut wants to go. And it, it's funny because it's the game that I'm highlighting for DFS. It's one of those two teams. I'm, I remember it was early on. It was like whoever was playing Oakland, you had to play them because they were scoring like three touchdowns a game against them. But I want to say that as the season wore on, a team that also just showed a complete ineptness was, were the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to make you make a call here, sir. Which one of those two do you think it is? I'm going to go with just because of the overall ineptness. And I know that, that the new Orleans saints, uh, I, I, I have to save the stat. I'll save the stat for a little bit here when we talk about my DFS, but I'm going to say the new Orleans saints, because I know that they gave up 20 more touchdowns <laughs> passing than the Oakland Raiders. You, sir, are correct. The Saints allowed 17.9 points per game. And it's funny you said those two because last year I used to make a joke all the time that uh, if you would climb a mountain and ask a Sherpa, you know, fantasy or ask a a, a Dolly or a Llama, ask him some life advice. He's going to tell you great sage-like wisdom and he's going to say before you go, and by all means, play your tight ends against the Raiders. 
and I used to say that all the time, but it was indeed the Saints. So those were the two that I thought of right away, and it was the Saints, 17.9 points per game. And I'm interested in the stat you're going to bring up later. I think I might know what it is. So uh, <laughs> we shall see. All right, so we're talking essentially streamers or waiver wire guys uh, thus far we've named some quarterbacks we've named some running backs who would you pick up right now for the wide receiver spot who's a guy that's available in most leagues at least 50 percent at the wide receiver wide receiver position that you would pick up off the waivers uh surprising that he's available steve smith um <laughs> okay stevie fists is just a guy that is a gamer, a complete gamer. I don't care what you want to say about this guy, ridiculous. And the ultimate faith, okay, for a guy that when you say 50-50 ball, and, and Steve Smith does not have the size, but when you throw a ball that's a 50-50 ball to him, it's really about 80-20 that he's going to get it, if not 90-10. This guy fights and, and, and is just – and the way that he starts seasons too – so look at last year. Okay, so last season, he did nothing in week one. He had two catches for 13 yards. Then he had 10 catches for 150 the next week. Then, the, then week three, 13 for 186. Comes out with a dud in week four, four for 24. Um, then the next week, seven for 137, five for 78. And then the game where he gets hurt, five for 82 before he goes out. He will put up numbers early. You look at uh, what the Ravens have as far as uh, who they can trust in that passing game. They're all question marks. Joe Flacco is going to lean on this guy. you got to ride him for whatever you can. And look, if, you can, if I tell you that you can pick a guy off the waiver wire who you can play, because if you say, well, he's going to get hurt. Yeah, but you can play him until he gets hurt, and he's going to give you at least five or six weeks of strong production with at least one or two blow-up games in there, because that's what he does. Yeah, Steve Smith, I'm I'm probably the lowest ranked pyro guy on him earlier in the season. You know, he had that double rupture of the uh, the was it the Achilles. Um, I did not think, given his age, with that horrific injury, he'd be able to come back. Doctor James Andrews said when he opened him up and looked in there, he said. Uh, I forget the exact words, but I know he used the word confetti when he was looking at his muscles. Said it was one of the worst things he's ever seen. So I was way down on him. My God, though, <laughs> Dr. James Andrews has gone on to say it's basically nothing shy of a miracle. The amount of recovery he's done, he has uh, rehabbed so much and so vigorously he's thrown up. Like he's been so uh, hydrating himself and coming back with such tenacity. So he is, like you say, a my ball mentality, just my world mentality. He's going to go out and get it done. I don't want to face him in a dark alley, and I'm not going to doubt him. I, I, I still am lowest on him, but if a guy's going to prove me wrong, it's going to be Steve Smith because my hat is off to him for sure. Uh, wide receiver, I would go with perhaps two. Tajay Sharp, I'll just throw it out there real quick. A lot of beat writers talking about him. He's available in 90% of leagues. If he doesn't start now, I mean, I still think Delaney Walker is probably the, the number one pass catcher there. Uh, but if he doesn't start now, I think he's going to turn it on towards the end. Um, now, this week, uh, he's going to be home to the Vikings. Now, the Vikings are road favorites. Thus, the Titans are going to look to pass. Uh, and he, meaning Taze Sharp, he's likely to face Terrence Newman, who Sharp is four inches taller 
than Newman. So a good red zone target. Uh, this team, one of just three. The Titans are one of just three teams that Vegas did not pick to win at least six games. Once again, that's going to be a pass-heavy script. Last time I checked, garbage touchdowns counted just as much in fantasy as those scored in the first quarter. So I, I do like Taze Sharp, available in 90%. Uh, I really, really like not only because I am an Irish Notre Dame fan, but I really do like Will Fuller. I think he's uh, your the written article, the Daily Do's and Don'ts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you alluded to Will Fuller. He, too, is available in 90% of leagues. Uh, he, he's going up. He's playing. He is on Houston's team, and Houston has an implied team total of 25 points. Uh, Fuller is likely going to be matched up against Porter. Now, Chicago's are, those guys are all banged up in the secondary, uh, but as of right now, PFF says he's going up against Porter, uh, who can be got on the field. It was just in concussion protocol until real recently. Uh, Porter has uh, the worst grade of all of Chicago's starting secondary, according to PFF. Uh, they are already depleted, and because Fuller is, this is the thing, it's, it's, uh, it's not a stat, but because Fuller is so fast. I think he wins separation right at the line. And I think Brock Osweiler, he's going to get into trouble. He's a, he's not a rookie, but he's young and he might look to get rid of the ball quicker than most. And because he knows that Fuller can get such separation, he can get early, quick, easy, and often. I think Osweiler's eyes are going to drift and gravitate towards Fuller, and I think they're going to build a real chemistry just for Fuller's ability to get separation so quickly. You saw it in the preseason. You know, this is one of the things where when I finally was started watching the Texan preseason games, um, and I think it was preseason game three, if I'm not mistaken, where Fuller made a, a great over the uh, deep play catch uh Osweiler made a perfect throw to him, um, and Brock was showing me something that I did not see when he was with Denver, where he really seemed like they're letting him just kind of be himself now and not kind of don't just manage this because we're such a playoff team. and this It's really his team now, and he, I think, just feels more comfortable under Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's had a, an amazing way uh, in his short period of time, and when you go even back to when he was head coaching over at Penn State – what he's done yeah. with quarterbacks and the way that he just has an ability to get the most out of them. And with Fuller, the biggest question is, is he going to catch the ball? But the fact is he will beat guys down the field. You do have a guy in Brock Osweiler that is a big quarterback. So even though you talk about getting rid of the ball quick, I think he can stand in the pocket and, and potentially, you know, uh, elongate plays a little bit, but, it's this is something where Osweiler, after I saw that game, he moved up about six spots in my tiers for quarterbacks. Fuller moved up 14 or 15 spots after that game. I've watched Fuller for a long time at Notre Dame. I've always really liked him. I do remember when he got drafted, I was watching the draft, and I remember Mike Mayock saying uh, that they showed us a tape. They showed a reel. Mike Mayock saying, well, he doesn't have to jump at this point, and he's leaving his feet, and there's too many uh, things in motion. I brought that up to our guy, uh, Dave Thomas, Dave T. Thomas, by the way. Uh, quick prayers and thoughts going out to Dave T. Thomas. Uh, lost 
a family member recently. So uh, keep them in your thoughts and hearts out there, folks. I remember Dave T. Thomas saying, and I brought that up to him, well, what about the drops in his hands? He says, you know, it doesn't matter. He does so many things so well. He gets such separation that the drops aren't going to matter. And talk to a guy uh, like a Harmon for NFL there's so many things that go into drops. Uh, was it a contested catch? Uh, how accurate was the pass? Uh, what was Who's the quarterback throwing? There's so many intangible things that go into drops. I don't think you have to worry with Fuller and his speed. He is just so fast. Can get The separation, I really think that's going to be a favorite of Brock down the line. And the other thing that's great about that point there is that you can't teach speed but the other thing is Brock can throw the ball to where the speed is. The worst yeah. part is, is when you have the guy who is beating his defensive back or, or safety by about four or five yards and the ball is thrown and he has to wait for it. Osweiler has the ability to be able to throw that ball and let Fuller go get it. Now what he's got to do is just trust Fuller's speed and just fling it out there and let the kid go, go run underneath it and catch it. Another thing we haven't even brought up, he's always going to be going up against the, the the worst of the secondary guys because of a new Hopkins that they're going to have to account for, and they're not going to be able to cheat back because you got to account for Lamar Miller. So, I, th- I mean, th- this is going to be a real exciting offense that I want to see, and I just hope Brock, because we honestly haven't seen too much from him. I hope he is as advertised, and then some, because this could be a real exciting team with the Bill O'Brien offense who talk about a a lot of plays. I mean, uh, since he's been in the league offensively, they've been top nine, I think. I think one year, last year, they were uh, most plays from scrimmage. The year before, I think there were five, uh, fifth most plays from scrimmage, even more so than Chip Kelly last year, plays from scrimmage, which surprised me. Um, Tight end. Uh, Who do you like at a tight end? This would be a streaming candidate, I suppose. Who are you going to stream at the tight end position if you need to? Uh, I'm streaming Jared Cook this week. Are you kidding me? Yeah, baby. Are you kidding me? Uh, You know, Richard Rodgers, God bless him. He's a good blocker. He just (laughs) does not have that that type of big playability that Jared Cook brings. Jared Cook is a guy who has disappointed me so many years with his ability that he has and just not being able to fulfill it. Well, that's one thing when you're playing with Sam Bradford. It's another thing when you're playing with Aaron Rodgers, and it's another thing when you're going up against Jacksonville. So we were talking about New Orleans and Oakland being teams that were bad against the tight end. If I'm not mistaken, I do recall that Jacksonville was pretty damn bad against the tight end as well. I got to say that they were one of the top five worst teams against defending the tight end last year. So this is a, a situation where, again, you talk about, well, you got Eddie Lacy out there. You got Jordy Nelson, who's back. You got Randall Cobb. Jared Cook, with his ability, what he can do in the middle of the field, if you don't think that Aaron Rodgers was looking for this, just remember Jermichael Finley when he was having his big heyday before it all fell apart for him. They like to use that position. Jared Cook is a perfect weapon, uh, a vertical weapon at the tight end position for Aaron Rodgers to take advantage of. I love the call. Looking real quick on uh, Football Outsiders uh, for the tight end, you're right, Jacksonville. Uh, they ranked 28th according to their, their defense. So uh, that's that adjusted defense, which I really love from Football Outsiders. Uh, so only, what, three, four teams uh, did worse against the tight end or better, I suppose, depending on how you look at it. Better for fantasy. Uh, so you want to go up against Jacksonville. And uh, <laughs> Richard Rodgers, the man is dead to me after that. Hail Mary touchdown against the Lions last year, that son of a bitch. And 
not only that, but week one, um, Jared Cook. Seattle? Say it again. Didn't he do that against Seattle too? I believe he did. I, maybe. I, I know he did it versus the Lions, and there was uh, something against Seattle. Green Bay and Seattle always have questionable, uh, crazy calls. That may have been two I've, years ago, but that was like that, I, that. That's what I was going to say was the Seattle one was two years ago, but Houdini, I got to say, I'm almost 40. My mind is not what it once was. Well, not that I was a pillar of intelligence and uh, uh, a fortitude of uh, uh, intellect, but, you know, it's slipping a little bit in my old age. Well, I'm older than you, so don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to be – You're not talking uh, to eight. stags anymore, so just remember, you know, <laughs> I'm 42. I got, I got you a little bit here. Good. At least somebody can get my, the John Hughes references that I, I make and uh, things from, you know, the early 80s and yeah, the, in the late before 70s. Before internet, before fax machines, you know, you know, back yes. in the old day when you actually had to have a treehouse and a paper route. I actually had in high school a typing class, like with typewriters. Oh, me too. And with the, the, the little – uh, Yeah, the white strips that you stick in there and you have to backspace and hit the mistake key that you hit before <laughs> – uh, yeah, uh, classes from a bygone era. And my teacher for my typing class, whenever we'd mess up, she'd say, too bad, so sad. <laughs> and so then we turned that into, uh, about 15 years later, I, I kept the too bad, so sad. I just added these nuts to the end of it. it. Everything a typing teacher wants out of her student right there right. to say to her. Too these bad. nuts, teacher. Too bad, so sad. These nuts. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've got some of those students that I just kind of in my mind say, oh, too bad. So sad. <laughs> that, that young man, those poor parents. But anyway, um, how about the poor offspring of those people? Right, right. They'll there, be your students when you're when you're when you're 70. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, I fear for the next generation. I got to be honest with you. But I suppose there's always somebody who's saying the next generation is worse. It's kind of a cyclical thing. I well, the best is I love the self-deprecating people who hate their own generation. When you see a yeah. millennial go, God, these damn millennials drive me crazy. <laughs> you want right, I think that, yeah, they drive me nuts. <laughs> that's part of being a millennial. You just hate everything, I think. There you go. It, it's, it's cool to hate stuff. Well, let's forget about uh, hate. And why don't you tell me a tight end that you love for streaming I, or waiver wire? I do love Jared Cook, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a great week to play him because Jared Cook doesn't he always seem to have a great week one, yes. and then and then disappoint after that. But like you say, I, I love the fact because Aaron Rodgers he's playing with arguably one of the best, and I think that's going to elevate him. So I love the Cook call. Uh, my guy available in ninety. So Jared Cook, I looked it up, available in seventy eight percent of leagues. Uh, Jesse James available in 96% of leagues. Um, once again, both these games, the, the cook game with green Bay, green Bay has an implied team total of 26.25. You want to own pieces of that offense with Jesse James. Pittsburgh has an implied team total of 26.5. So once again, you want to get pieces of it. Wheaton, as I mentioned at the top was questionable, did not practice uh, Thursday. Or Friday, Jesse James. The one thing I think you just got to say: the guy is six foot seven, uh, next tallest active wide receiver or pass catcher. There is Hayward Bay, five inches shorter. Uh, so you know he's going to stand out in the red zone. Uh, many are calling 
for a shootout in this game, one of the game, one of the three that's expected to go over 50 points. Um, according to Numberfire, Pittsburgh has a 57.7% chance of winning this game. So uh, everything's going the right way for Jesse James. Did you just say that Jesse James is going to be in a shootout? <laughs> I believe I did. I didn't even catch that one. Yes. Yes. Good work, my friend. Good work. Hey, Jesse James is going to be in a shootout, and apparently Kenny Stills is going to be sitting in with uh, Crosby and, uh, uh, Gra- and Graham Nash. And, and at, uh, Neil Young is going to be there, too. Neil Young will be there, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenny Stills is going to be playing slide guitar, which I did not know he had in his repertoire. <laughs> so it, it's exciting. The, the hippies are coming out in droves for that one. Um, another guy just to mention real quick. I love Cook. I love Jesse James. Clive Walford, we haven't really seen it from him yet. This is a Dave T. Thomas guy. I've loved Walford for a while now. He's available in 97% of leagues. Uh, New Orleans, so Walford is playing against New Orleans. As we said, New Orleans last year gave up the most uh, fantasy points to the tight end spot. Uh, I have a stat here. I'm going to hold on to it, though, in case... It was perhaps one that you were thinking of, and I'll throw it out there later, but you just want to play guys against New Orleans now. Um, Fantasy defenses, they change from year to year, and it's often not that sticky of a stat, but man, they did not change too much in New Orleans, and they were just so horrifically bad. uh, You can't improve that much. So I do like Walford, especially later on the season, but he's a gamble you could play, maybe a contrarian play, and you can certainly pick him up. I think that, that that about wraps it up for our the streamers and the waiver wires. Uh, the only bit we've got left is a bit of DFS talk. Uh, before we get to the DFS talk, sir, I got one more trivia question. Just want to remind folks, I am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter. Follow the regular Pyromaniac crew at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. I'm Pyromaniac Mo, just as it sounds, P-Y-R-O. M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. Again, we opened up this show, episode 44 of the Pyro Light, with The Witch from the Bamboos. Stay tuned at the end. You can hear the song in its entirety. And the last trivia question for you, sir. On a points-per-game basis in PPR formats, which team had the top-scoring wide receiver duo? So in other words... No other team had two receivers that scored more on a points-per-game basis, PPR, in 2015. Think about that while you listen to this. We'll be right back. All right, Pyromaniacs, welcome back to the Pyro Light Podcast. This is Pyromaniac Mo with you. I'm here, thankfully, with uh, my brother Houdini, and we asked you uh, the final of the three trivia questions, and the question was, in PPR formats, which team had the top-scoring duo? So on a points-per-game basis, which NFL team had the top two wide receivers in fantasy PPR Points per game, what do you think, Houdini? I think I got this, actually. You know, you start thinking about it and you go, okay, well, Julio Jones, 
No, because there's nobody else to pair with him. Odell Beckham, no, there's no one to pair with him. Antonio Brown, no, there's really no one to pair with him uh, because it was Martavis Bryant, which could have been, but then there was all this, you know, all the suspensions and everything else that were going on. So the the unassuming team, but a team that had two receivers that both had over uh, double-digit touchdowns last year. I'm going Jacksonville. I'm going the Allen brothers, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. You are so very close, but I, I think you neglected, I think you neglected one team. You were very close. Now, uh, just to let you know how close you were, Allen Robinson on a points per game basis was eighth and uh, Allen Hearns was 23rd. Let me remind you about Brandon Marshall for the Jets. Oh, and was Eric Decker. Fourth, and Eric Decker was 14th. So you were right there, and I believe you had – that was the number two team because I thought about them as well. Uh, but just by a hair, Brandon Marshall and Mr. Decker. That's that's impressive because I believe uh, Hearns only had 10 touchdowns, and I believe Decker had 12. I think that yeah. is uh, probably the turning point there because both of their yardage was very similar, and Brandon Marshall – um, topped, um, I think he topped Allen Robinson in yards, but not in touchdowns, if I'm mistaken. I, be- I believe you are correct. I know the 12 and the 10 for sure. Both of them great. Right and, is, yeah. you, you know, uh, Decker often, I don't know if it's like this reverse racism or what, but <laughs> same thing. Wood, Wood, I'm serious. Woodhead, he's often overlooked, I think, because he's a white running back. And Decker, I think he's overlooked. He's a white wide receiver. I think folks overlook him. I, I don't know. No, you want to know what it is? It's not that he's a white receiver because people don't overlook Julian Edelman. It's because he's a white outside receiver. It's the mm. it's the yeah. over six foot white receiver that gets the, the reverse prejudice. That's true. Like Amendola, Edelman, some of those Wolf, little scat Wolfer, guys. Uh, yep. Chris Hogan. Yep. Everyone loves all these guys. Cole Beasley. We yep. love the little guys, you know. We yep. don't love that, the big that, guys. That makes sense. I think we're making some real progress here on uh, race relations <laughs> in in the NFL. We're doing we're doing our part. That's what we're doing. We're doing our part. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> it's the it's the Oreo cookie. We need to look to the Oreo cookie, sir, as the uh, uh, the the best dessert for racial harmony. Harmony, the black and the white. I believe that was a Seinfeld episode at one well, point. And also the peanut butter one because then you get the brown and, and, the, and the black and then you can have like, you know, so it's like we got to have the blending of all the colors because or the confetti or the confetti uh, cake uh, uh, cream. Ooh, Maybe that's good. more of everybody together or something like that. A celebration of all colors. All I know I is like Oreo's it. got about 55 different varieties and they're crazy. I like the uh, the mint, the the green I like the mint Oreo. Oh, well, I've never had that one, but I would definitely try that because I'm a big Frango mint guy. I like a, a York peppermint patty. I like an Andes mint. I like those. I'm telling you what's awesome. You, you uh, blend it up with some ice cream, make a shake. You're making like this Oreo mint kind of shake, like a shamrock shake deal. It's really good. You know what? Because mint, really mint is a tricky good. thing because people are either for mint or against mint. A mint chocolate chip cookie, uh, a mint chocolate chip ice cream. I love mint chocolate chip. My wife hates it. Is your wife a communist? No, she just uh, she just hates mint. I I would I I'm not going to start another birther movement, but I don't know, man. It sounds like she's red. She was born in Russia. Well, she, she does red because she is a uh, went to Georgia and went to UGA, so they are definitely red. I think that's downright un-American. <laughs> downright un-American, sir. Uh, where is uh, Joseph McCarthy? 
when you need <laughs> it. It's rolling, o- rolling over in his grave. <laughs> DFS picks around to the daily fantasy, whether you play DraftKings, FanDuel, or what have you. Uh, these are some good ones we've got. So we've got the daily do's and don'ts that we release. Of course, uh, I, was, I wasn't quick enough to get mine in. I was working on my notes. Houdini, by God, he's so good. He's just firing off the top of his head with most of this stuff. You, you impressed me, sir. I'm, I'm being dead honest. You, you impressed me. I've got all these notes here, and uh, you're just ingrained in this stuff. Uh, so DFS, let's talk a little DFS here. Quarterback, who do you like for daily fantasy? Well, the guy that I like is uh, is Derek Carr. You know, again, I, I told you I was like all about DFS with this matchup that you yeah. have um, with uh, with what you with what the Saints allow. And so here's where I'm going to be able to give you the you know the the, the fun stats that just go. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So the New Orleans Saints, they gave up the second most passing yards per game last year. That's great. But I told you about touchdowns, that they gave up 45 passing touchdowns last year. The next closest team, the Philadelphia Eagles, allowed 36 passing touchdowns. Um, on the on the reverse side, Seattle was the best team, allowed only 14 passing touchdowns, 45 touchdowns. You realize that's basically an average of three passing touchdowns per week. Yeah, it's, yeah. Let that sink out. Three that's, per that's, week. I know it's incredible. Okay, then you also have to go and say, okay, well, how about pass plays of 20 yards or more? Well. The New Orleans Saints allowed 64 pass plays of 20 yards or more, tied for the league lead with your pitiful uh, uh, going against Matthew Stafford with no secondary Indianapolis Colts. So mm-hmm. then the one thing I like to look at is, well, because I'm in long touchdown leagues, and this is where I look at Amari Cooper, I look at Derek Carr, and 40-plus yard passing plays. The Saints allowed 17 last year. 17 to lead the league. So again, conversely, Seattle Seahawks, uh, along with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Denver, and Atlanta Falcons, only allowed five passing t- uh, pass plays of 40 or more yards. That's they allowed more than three times as much as the four best teams. And the one I thought you might be going with is the 45 touchdowns. That was historically the worst historically in the NFL, no team has ever given up 45 passing touchdowns. They broke the record of the Denver Broncos. I I know this because this was a trivia question. The Denver Broncos from, I want to say it was 1963, they they gave up 40 passing touchdowns. And last year, the Saints gave up freaking 45 passing touchdowns. So Can Can I just go back here? You said what year was it that Denver gave up 40 touchdowns, 63? Yep. This was the era of the Bears won the championship that year. Uh, I want to say that's – I, I want to know what – in today's numbers because that was a 12-game season. Oh, I was going to say 14. 12? No, Woo! not even. That was a 12-game in 63. They didn't go to the 14, I think, until sometime in the 70s. So <laughs> that defense in a league where I think probably the, the you had maybe like – 
two quarterbacks that maybe threw for over 25 touchdowns in a year. Right. It wasn't even the passing league like it is today. So that just had to have been horrific. If that team played today, they would have. Now that could have been God that you talk about just like, I want to play whoever's playing against that team. That that would have been, if they played in today's era, maybe 55 touchdowns that that, that Denver team would have given up. But 45 by this, and, and it was turnstile. I remember watching all of these uh, Saint games last year because I'm a Brandon Cooks owner in multiple leagues. And you know what? Brandon Cooks put up a lot of good points for me last year because they have to score points in order to keep up with their uh, pitiful defense. Yeah. So look yeah. for Derek Carr to annihilate them this week. I think it's going to be – it's and their defense is is a lot stronger with Khalil Mack and a lot of these young guys that they have that are up and coming, so they're going to put the ball back in Derek Carr's hands. But I just see Derek Carr DFS at uh, on FanDuel. He's seventy seven hundred dollars. I'm not sure what his price is off the top of my head. On um, seven seventy three hundred on DraftKings. I, so why would you spend up when you have a game that is predicted to have the most points scored by Vegas? And it's going to be on both sides of the ball. It's going to be a shootout, and it's going to be fun. Get in on it. I think it's a great uh, GPP play uh, for sure. The the one I've got. So if you're playing in, a, um, you're looking for a high ceiling game. Certainly, Carr could be there. It's a bit of a contrarian, perhaps. The one I've got is not contrarian by any means. I think everybody and their brother is going to be on this. It's a safe cash play. It's Dak Prescott. He is rock bottom price. He's 5,000 on DraftKings, 5,000 on FanDuel. You can't get cheaper on either site. So the one beauty thing of this is you're going to be able to spend up at the wide receiver position at some other positions. If you can save such cash here with the Dak Prescott, like I said, a lot of people are going to do it. I would do it in maybe just cash, probably not GPP because there's you're not going to be able to differentiate enough. Um, but they're home. The Dallas Cowboys are home to the Giants. Uh, he, Dak has been the darling of the preseason. Uh, I think he's got, like I said, a real solid floor could potentially run one in. You're looking for a solid floor in cash games. As I said, the savings you get, you're going to be able to spend up elsewhere. They've got Ezekiel Elliott. It's going to keep them honest. The Dallas offensive line need, I say more, it's going to keep them upright. They've got Dez. They've got Witten as a safety blanket. Football outsiders with the Giants. The Giants adjusted defensive ranked last year, 31. So only one team was ranked worse by football outsiders. Uh, the Giants defensive tackle, Robert Thomas, he's already out. Uh, they can certainly be had. This is a great division rivalry. Dak Prescott, rock bottom pricing. Which running back are you uh, slotting in your lineups in DFS? Well, I, I, so I got I, the, the, I have a really interesting – I'll give you my full lineup at the end here, but um, – as I like what I'm doing with this team, because what I'm what I've done is a lot of times in DFS you're sitting there and you're playing those top guys, right? And so that's why you need that bottom feeder like you're just talking about, so you can fill yeah. in that last gap. I kind of like to play in the mid range, right? Where I'm not taking the bottom guys, I'm taking all the guys who I'm like, wow, I can't believe it with their price, and I feel like I get like a more balanced team where I'm not like having as many chances that are out there. So my two running backs uh, that I'm that I'm going with this week. Are I, I'm I'll spend up for Adrian Peterson and Doug Martin. So Doug Martin's coming in a better value, but Adrian Peterson to me against Tennessee with the fact that you're going to be starting Sean Hill, this is going to be just a and you had it as one of the lower games, but it's going to be a game that's going to be I can see at least 27 to 28 to 30 touches for Adrian Peterson. 
And Doug Martin going against Atlanta, no, he did not have the best success against them last year. In one game, he had 95 rushing yards with a five yards receiving, so he hit 100. The other one, I think he had 73 rushing yards. But I look at Atlanta's defense, that's a bad defense. And they did really nothing to improve their defense into this last year. I also look at the fact that, yeah, okay, you can judge what, what Martin did against them last year, but I also will, will take into account the Jameis Winston growth. And the Jameis Winston growth, this guy is smart. This guy is all over game film and everything else. He's going to be so much better at pre-snap reads and putting Doug Martin into better situations. And against this pathetic defense that Atlanta has, I have no problem at, at $7,200 on FanDuel. And I don't know what he is on, on the DraftKings off the top of my head. You can pull that for me. But it's a, it's a must play. I like Doug Martin. I think that this is where uh, Juggernaut or mu- Muscle Hamster, whatever he wants to be called, reemerges again and, and establishes themselves. And I think that Tampa Bay puts a big step forward here uh, as being the team that that's going to compete with Carolina for this division. 6,200 on DraftKings, uh, 72 on FanDuel. And as we know from the, the Pyro Draft Kit, Tampa Bay, easiest run schedule. We, we see it here uh, this week. My guy, I've, I suppose I've got two now. One thing that's kind of interesting, I didn't do as much research here because I don't think you need to say it as much, and I'll talk about another guy in a second, uh, but Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I'm going to spend off on him because I'm able to. I am able to spend up on him because of a Dak Prescott, a guy I can get for rock bottom price. And one thing that I found really interesting, uh, Chris Raybon found this out. He, he does a great job. TJ Hernandez, he's been on the Pyro Light two times. We talked to DFS on, uh, I think, the last uh, Pyro Light, the episode 43. One thing that they found was a, a, an often unused stack that was in a lot of million-dollar lineups and is one of the best stacks to do. Everybody does quarterback, wide receiver, one stack. An underused stack that really does pay off is quarterback, wide receiver, running back. You often think, well, why would I have – I mean, it's just natural. You're going to think, why would I have a wide receiver and a running back if one guy scores, the other guy doesn't? But think about it the other way. One, you're exposing yourself potentially to all scoring opportunities if the quarterback throws to the running back or if the quarterback throws to the wide receiver. But every time your running back gets a first down, that's extending the play, getting more points for the wide receiver. Every time the wide receiver gets a first down, your running back is going to be able to get more plays. And if it's in one of these high-scoring games like this one is, it's going to, one, produce a lot of points, And two, by doing this running back, wide receiver, quarterback stack, you're really differentiating yourself. Not a lot of people are doing it. And if you can hit, man, you have a great chance of being one of the only guys to have that unique lineup configuration. So I like a Dak with an Ezekiel Elliott. You make a great point because this is also one of the things that we have done in the past here at Pyro. We talk about power and numbers. And there are teams that just, you know, say, well, would I want to have the second wide receiver on this team or the number one on this team? Well, no, you want the number two on this team because this is a team that just is a powerhouse producer. And there are certain teams that are going to be the more powerhouse producers. So I look at like an Indianapolis. I look at uh, even still Pittsburgh was the one last year, but now with everything, you know, with Martavis out and Le'Veon and everything, they're not as much of a power and numbers type of a team, but uh, Green Bay is a power and numbers type team. You can feel confident starting a Jordy. You can feel confident starting uh, a Randall Cobb. And you can feel confident starting an Eddie Lacy. So 
you know, those these are the types of situations that you want to get at. And then you also get game situations. And so, like, with the Giants, the Giants are a team, like, as a guy who I will tell you that you need to avoid this week is avoid Eli Manning. Eli Manning, for whatever reason, Dallas has got his number as of late. The last, uh, I, I want to say, uh, off the top of my head, I want to say it was the last two games last year, the two games he played, he threw a total of 336 passing yards with no touchdowns and no interceptions in two games against Dallas. Hmm. So, you know, the other thing, too, is it's weird, uh, and I like the fact that what you're going with because their offensive line and also that it's a rookie. A lot of times you look at it and say, well, it's a division matchup. These are the games that end up being more of a slog out type of a game. Rookies don't understand that. Not only do you have a rookie quarterback, you got a rookie running back. These guys are not going to be phased by it. They're just going to be looking at the holes that are going to be created for them and doing what they do. So it, it should be – I agree with you. Uh, that's interesting you say that Eli Manning against Dallas. I did not look at the splits, his career splits versus Dallas. But I do know that uh, in DFS particularly – if you have a team that's playing an interdivision team, quarterbacks, they don't usually score as well because the defense gets their reads, uh, they get to hear their calls, they get to see them twice. So in DFS, there's been some research on this that oftentimes an interdivisional team um, doesn't do as well at the quarterback position. Now here we have Dak. You say, well, he's playing the Giants, but yeah, the Giants haven't seen Dak before, right? So that's the advantage here. And I like the idea. You're going to really differentiate your lineup if you're starting a Dak, a Dez, and an Ezekiel. I've got that in uh, my DraftKings. And not only they, they haven't seen him before, nobody's seen him before. There's no yeah. tape on him. So this is like one of those guys that when you think about, like if you're a baseball fan, you're like, oh, my team is going up against this this retread that they're just bringing up for the first time from the minors, and he's throwing junk, and he throws a three-hitter against your team. <laughs> Paul Chargian talks about that. He talks about uh, some of the best games you can get are like the first seven or eight of somebody because nobody has tape on them. And then after that first seven or eight, sometimes they, they start to regress because people understand what the tendencies are and what they're going to do. This is perfect for Dak to really take advantage. We saw it in the preseason, and I think it's a great opportunity to roll out. It's just, I mean... That offensive line is just outstanding. They, they can't cheat anywhere, and they've got such talent all over the board, so many weapons. The other running back I want to talk about, you've already heard me talk about him, Spencer Ware. Again, here's one. If I'm getting a $5,000 Dak Prescott and I'm getting a Spencer Ware, 4400 on DraftKings, 5400 on FanDuel, man, can I load up my wide receiver lineups uh, especially on DraftKings where you get the full point PPR, you get the bonuses. Uh, that's what I'm doing. So I'm looking to spend down maybe on a little deck, save some money, spend down on a, a, a Spencer Ware so I can spend up at the wide receiver. Spencer Ware, as I said, 4,400 DraftKings, 54 on FanDuel. Uh, I think it's a great cash play. I don't think it's a great GPP because a lot of people are going to be doing it. As we said, Jamal probably out. Kansas City playing at home, facing San Diego. I've said this before, but I'm going to reiterate. Last year against the Rush, Football Outsiders ranked San Diego 31st. Again, game script. This is going to be run heavy as Kansas City is 6.5 favorites. Uh, as mentioned, running backs with at least 10 carries last year. Where? was the best, regardless of PPR standard, where was the best with points per opportunity. He was an efficient son of a bitch, and he's going to get a lot of opportunities uh, right now. Ironically, I just do want to add one thing. I, I play uh, Bet DSI, so I'm also playing you know, the bookies and whatnot. While I do like Kansas City, 
I actually think San Diego is going to cover. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think. I don't think San Diego is going to get blown out by six and a half or more. So I am playing the San Diego with the points, but I still like uh, where to do really well. All right. What do you think about? What do you think about my uh, San Diego call with uh, taking the six and a half points? As I told you, me and point spreads do not do well. Justin Houston is out, right? So I think uh, that's going to be a big factor. I would go the other way, which means that you're in good shape. (laughs) I'll take the reverse psychology. No, it's 100% right. Literally, I picked like 90% wrong via the spread. I could pick the winner. I'd always pick the winner, but I could never get it with the point spread. So. And I know last year they scored, like in those last two games, I forget what it was, like weeks 14 and 16, I think they scored like three points, San Diego, against Kansas City. But you're talking about an offensive line, as I said, that started or that missed 30 games combined last year. Uh, this is the first game of the season. They're they're relatively healthy. They've got a rejuvenated Melvin Gordon. They've got uh, Ken Wisenhunt back. So I really do like them. I still like Kansas City to win, but I think it's going to be closer than the pundits are calling. Wide receiver, got a couple more positions here. Houdini, um, wide receiver, I'm going to go with a home favorite. Uh, Actually, I've got two here I'm going to throw out for you, maybe even three. Uh, Quickly, though, Marvin Jones, 4,600 on DraftKings, 5,500 on FanDuel. You know, I've talked up Detroit. I've talked up Stafford. I've talked up Jones as being the third most efficient wide receiver behind Marshall and Dez the last three years. Uh, This game, second highest total of the week, it's going to be a shootout. Once again, Indy's going to be without three key defensive guys, including Vonta Davis. Uh, Marvin Jones, he's going to be guarded most likely by Cromarty, who just joined the team. Uh, according to Pro Football's grading system, out of all the starting Detroit wide receivers, Marvin Jones has the best matchup. He's going to be able to take advantage of Cromarty. Got the best matchup there. And again, beat writers since March, many beat writers in Detroit have been talking about this being a 1A, 1B, and they're not even sure who's the 1A, 1B. I think Marvin Jones is really going to surprise a lot of people. He skyrocketed up ADPs. I remember early on, he was going eighth, ninth round. And then I think just recently he was sixth round. So he was real. People were really starting to turn on to Marvin Jones. I love him. 4,600 on DraftKings. Well, and the other thing that's great about him is that he just just knows how to catch the touchdown ball. There are certain guys that just have a propensity to be better in the red zone than others. And when given the chances, they perform. He does not get nervous or whatever. I mean, he's had a huge, what, three touchdown games with Cincinnati. Yep. And granted, you're playing outside of, uh, of A.J. Green, but at the same time, no one's looking at Marvin Jones being like, oh, we have to put everybody on Marvin Jones in order to stop Detroit. Oh, my God. If Marvin right. Jones goes off, we're going to de- dedicate our whole – no. More so, they're going to probably be paying attention to Golden Tate, who is a more precise route runner, who has been around the league more, who's had more catches, done, who's done it more often. Marvin Jones is, is kind of a guy that's kind of more seen as like maybe by some other teams is more gimmicky in some ways. that he's buddy, but, but you want to know what? Gimmicky or whatever, he'll prove him wrong once he's here with Detroit. He got the money now. He's going to get the opportunity. You don't have an A.J. Green there. You don't have someone that's going to be uh, limiting you from getting your opportunities. And he played alongside one of the best in A.J. Green. You'll learn something when you're with these guys. Yeah, against Cromarty this week, I think he's going to tear it up. Like you said, one of the best uh, efficient red zone guys, now paired with Stafford, who was the best red zone passer last year. Two other wide receivers, real quick, Brandon Marshall. 
He, he's higher end. Of course, you can spend the money because you've been saving in other positions. 78, he's a real good fan duel buy. He's actually more expensive on DraftKings. It's usually the other way around. He's 7,800 on DraftKings, 77 on FanDuel. So I would play him in FanDuel for sure. I am playing him in FanDuel. Faces Cincy, Dreekirk, Patrick. Here's the one thing I'm going to, well, I'm going to tell you a couple, but the one most important thing is, according to PFF, this is the best matchup of the week. It's the most advantageous. So they grade all the players. Uh, Marshall has relatively the highest grade and Kirkpatrick has relatively the lowest. So if you compare the two, they give you like a matchup grade. This is the best matchup of the week, according to PFF. I, I love it. The Jets are at home. Uh, Cincy is actually favored by 2.5, which means when an underdog wide receiver one is playing, he's going to get the looks because they need to pass. It's a game script that's going to favor Brandon Marshall uh, against wide receiver number one since he was only middle of the road last year. Brandon Marshall is a great play. My last wide receiver, I named a bunch. This one is a real contrarian play. Jarvis Landry, I know he's going against Seattle. You may think this is crazy. 6,000 on DraftKings, 6,600 on FanDuel. He's on the road versus Seattle. I looked up a bunch of stuff on this. It's an excellent contrarian play. Not a lot of people are going to do it. Great GPP play. You're going to differentiate your lineup. According to PFF, Landry has a very advantageous matchup over Jeremy Lang, uh, Lane. Surprisingly, Seattle's pretty susceptible to pass catchers over the middle. If you've looked in years past, Seattle's been got by tight ends, but also by slot guys. Landry has averaged up the target 7.45, right in the area where a lot of tight ends run. Uh, in the last three years, wide receiver ones score the most points when their team is a seven-point underdog. That is from TJ Hernandez. What is Miami? Ten-point underdogs. So seven points or more, that's when wide receiver ones are going to do the most damage. That's the situation. And I looked up. I went down and saw in years past, last year, how slot guys did or guys that ran short routes. Fitzgerald. He had two good games against him, totaled 16 catches, 185 yards, and a touchdown in two games against Seattle. Randall Cobb, eight catches for 116 yards. Randall Cobb had 116 yards uh, for, with eight catches. Anquan Bolden had five catches for 93. And even a Marcus Wheaton who again we talked about uh, probably out this week, but Marcus Wheaton over 200 yards and a touchdown. Now, I understand out of all those guys, Mar um, Wheaton has a, a, he's a downfield guy. He's got a larger, uh, longer average depth of target, but still it shows they can be had. I really think this is a sneaky play. Landry again runs average depth of target 7.45. And the biggest thing He's got an advantage over Jeremy Lane, and they're such underdogs, 10-point underdogs. This is when wide receiver ones shine. If you think about it, of course they're going to have to pass. They're going to Vegas is picking them to lose by 10 points, so they are going to have to throw early and often if they want to stay in it. Landry is hands down the guy that they they trust the most, that Tannehill trusts the most. We know Devontae Parker's got I don't know more hamstring injuries than he does hamstrings. Uh, it, it's crazy. Stills is there, but I think Landry is the one to do it. I really do like him on DraftKings because you're getting the full point PPR. So all right, I got I got two for you real fast. Hit me. So Willie Sneed, 
I'm staying in the New Orleans, uh, like it. Oakland game. Here's a guy on DraftKings at $4,800 on FanDuel at $6,400. And Willie Sneed has just been amazing during the preseason. He has shown uh, that he is, he's a hard worker. He's a guy that wasn't given anything to when he came into the league last year. You'd no longer have Marcus Colston there. You're going to have Kobe Fleener who's going to help open things up by being uh, uh, a guy who's going to draw more attention in the middle than a guy like Ben Watson did for him last year. You have Brandon Cooks who's also going to get the other attention that he's going to get. It's going to be a wide-open game. Um, this is, again – Willie Sneed to me is just a perfect play. Uh, and here, let me, I told you I was going to give you my, my fan duel lineup, right? Yeah. Let me give you my fan duel lineup right now, just so you can get an idea. So I'm starting Derek Carr quarterback, $7,700. Doug Martin at $7,200. Adrian Peterson, $8,200. Nuke at $8,400 against the Bears, who I think he's going to destroy. Willie mm-hmm. Sneed, who I'm talking about here, 64. You already know I'm starting Amari Cooper at 7,100. So Kobe Fleener's my tight end. Do you see any weakness, like any, any? oh, that's a stretch play or whatever? No. And then a Vinatieri and a Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and I'll talk, you know, we'll talk about them in a second. But when I look at what I have here, Will Fuller is a guy that, that I would throw in if, if I needed more money for another position. But I don't. So Willie Sneed's the guy who I go with. But if I need that, I want to squeeze and I want to get that, you know, I want to start an Andrew Luck in that game against Detroit or I want to go for one of these ones. Okay, then Will Fuller's a perfect guy. $3,700 on DraftKings, $5,600 on FanDuel. We already talked about the fact of how the Bears' defensive secondary is absolutely putrid. That's why I'm starting Nuke. But if I'm not going to start Nuke, if I, if I got priced out there, you got to go Will Fuller. He's going to get behind that Bears defense at least once or twice. And at those prices, it's just sick. you got to play it. And, again, the, the key with DFS, it's not about always playing the best players. It's about playing the best matchups. So when you find these three, four huge matchups, just take players from those where all the points are going to be scored. Absolutely. I'm 100% on board with that, and a lot of people don't do that. They feel like, like you said, you had a, a Fleener and a Sneed. I love it because, one, that you're going to differentiate your lineup. A lot of people are going to avoid that because they feel as though they're going to cannibalize each other. But it's if you can target the games that are going to score a bunch of points, again, this one being one of the ones that's supposed to score over 50 points, well, you don't have to worry about guys cannibalizing because there's going to be more points to go around. We're not talking about a San Francisco game that has an implied team total like 18 or 17 points, two touchdowns. We're talking about a team that could very well easily score three, maybe four touchdowns in this could be shootout. That's what you're looking for, and it differentiates your lineup. Not a lot, not a lot of guys are going to have it. I, I love it. I love it. I love a Sneed. He's one of my picks from way early on in the season. Uh, he's often the forgotten man, and I think he's going to do well this year, particularly. Some tight ends that I am looking at, uh, just to name a few, Jordan Reed, you're spending up there, 6,600 DraftKings, 74 on FanDuel's, shootout City, Washington, Pittsburgh won again. Here, this common theme. This is one of the games that's expected to go over 50 points, one of the three. Another one I like, another forgotten man people aren't really talking about, is Delaney Walker. 4,500 on DraftKings, 65 on FanDuel. So I don't like him on FanDuel, but I love him on the DraftKings. Uh, if you look, ninth most expensive on DraftKings, 
fourth on FanDuel. So Delaney, I like in the DraftKings. Uh, 133 targets last year. Marriott is going to improve. This offense runs through Walker. Uh, another guy, you know, I love Dwayne Allen. I've been all about him. Only 3,200 on DraftKings. He's way more on FanDuel. So again, DraftKings is your better bargain there for Dwayne Allen. 27 implied team points for the Colts. According to Vegas, only Seattle should score more in 27.25. Again, home to Detroit. This is just going to be a shootout game. 30% of Lux TDs have gone to the tight end spot. Uh, Allen has the third highest red zone conversion rate of all positions. 45.5. I talked about Marvin Jones. Dwayne Allen has a higher red zone conversion rate. He does really well in the red zone. He just hasn't gotten there a lot because they've had Fleener in the past. I am really thinking Dwayne Allen's going to be a great play this year. I know some folks don't agree with me. I really believe it's going to happen. Excellent opportunity this week. Yeah, Dwayne Allen's you interesting. You know what? Because Kobe Fleener's gone now. They were cannibalizing each other. The thing with Dwayne Allen was always, well, Fleener's going to get the yards and Allen's going to get the touchdown. As long as Allen gets the touchdown, he becomes worthy. If he doesn't score the touchdown, well, then you're only getting about 30, 40 yards. That's going to change this year. Now that he's the, the sole guy that's that's there, that opens up a lot more opportunities. And again, no, he doesn't have that type of Jared Cook or the athletic type of guy that you look at and go, wow, here's a, here's, here's a Jordan Reed. Here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a guy that just is going to, the pure pass catcher. No, but you know what he is? He's a blocker and he's a blocker who can release and can make plays. And what that blocker who can release and make plays is deadly is in the red zone. And he's going to be there for all those plays this year. Like he, like he was for the most part, you know, but he was surrendering the plays in the middle of the field to Kobe Fleener. Now he's going to get those. And like I said, one of the reasons I love Moncrief, uh, Moncrief is 6'2", no other pass catcher and wide receiver is over six feet tall, except Dwayne Allen, six foot three. He's the fourth highest, 8.9 million, fourth highest cap hit on the team. I've really been paying attention to that this year. Like you mentioned with a Forte and a Blau Powell, they're paying them basically the same, which means they are going to use Powell. You can really get good insight as to how a team expects to use a play, a person, a player, based on how they're paying them. They're paying him fourth highest on the team. There's a lot of big names on this team. They're paying him like they are going to use him and use him often. Football Outsiders, DVOA, so uh, Defense Adjusted Value Over Average, Lions last year against tight end, 29th. So I think this is a great opportunity. Quick point that you're making about what they're paying him. They let Fleener go. What does that yeah. tell you? That's all you need to know. Right. I, I know some folks aren't as high on him. I am I perhaps the highest out of uh, uh, pyro guys all of this year. But regardless, this is a game. This is a great opportunity uh, this week. And he's also a great waiver wire guy if you're looking at tight ends and you didn't you don't have something that you'd like that all that well, or you're sitting there with Gronk and you didn't draft another one. You're like, oh my god, right. I need one week one. Grab it. right. Good call. Good call. Um, my let's wrap it up here, my man. My my defense. I've got. Uh, I like the defense. You're gonna go with well, you know what? Go ahead and start off with yours. I do yeah. like your defensive call here. Again, when you go for defense, you go for a defense that has talent, but you also go for a defense that has a great matchup. So I got a defense with pretty good talent, not a not a good offense on their side. So the defense is gonna have to carry it. The Philadelphia Eagles, 
and they're going against the Cleveland Browns. We'll see the RG3 show. We'll see Corey Coleman, who hasn't really done much of anything. Isaiah Crowell. Are any of these guys scaring you? No, they're not scaring me either. And I expect turnovers. And the other thing that's interesting with, with the Eagles is this is a team that gets special teams points one way or the other, too. They just have a, a way of creating some points on defense. This matchup, I think, is just delightful. $4,800 on FanDuel. I don't have the uh, the... the uh, the DraftKings uh, price on it, but I guarantee you it's dirt cheap. I guarantee you they're not in the top eight or ten, so you're going to get a nice value there with the Eagles. Yeah, I really like this. The Eagles called. I was actually uh, going to pick them, and then I saw you went with them. Uh, the Eagles, just so we know, on DraftKings. Um, DraftKings, I often find that the the pricing is really good, and in some instances, not often, but usually. For the most part, you're going to get a better deal on DraftKings. That's what I found. Philly on DraftKings, as I'm scrolling, is 3300 on DraftKings. Um, I've got two defenses, one Tennessee, DraftKings 2600 uh, Again, better deal. They're 4100 on FanDuel. Again, by the way, what you're looking for is about three times 3x value. So, again, 2600 on DraftKings. You're, you're hoping to score uh, three times that. So, what? You know, three about about nine points roughly is hoping what you're you're hoping to return on investment. Uh, Tennessee is home to the Vikings. We all know this is. I mentioned this right off the top. This is the lowest over under of the week. So oftentimes you're gonna overlook these, except when it's a defense. Not a lot of points gonna be had here, so you're gonna be able to get some on the defensive side. Sean Hill's gonna start. I think there's going to be some mistakes that can uh, be capitalized on by Tennessee. And one that might surprise folks, Arizona. A little bit more money, 3500 on DraftKings, 5000 on FanDuel. Uh, seventh in adjusted defense, according to Football Outsiders. They ranked second against the run last year. Here's the thing, though. Home to the Patriots. Home to Jimmy Garoppolo. This game, here's where a, a sharp player can look at Vegas. This game opened up at 51 over under. It has since dropped considerably. It's down to 46.5. Ooh. Why did why did that happen, and, and what's that going to tell you? Well, here's what. Because everybody loves the Patriots' name, everybody thinks naturally, oh, this is going to be high scoring, and the Patriots are going to do really well. Well, after the drop, the Patriots only have an implied team total of 20 points. We're talking Jimmy Garoppolo without a Gronk. Without Deion Lewis, there's not going to be as many points as folks are used to. So I think a lot of people are really overlooking Arizona, and they can totally capitalize here. Uh, according to PFF, they rank the Patriots' offensive line 25th best. Yeah. How about Chandler Jones going back against his old team? Oh, yeah, a little revenge there. I like that narrative. Now, Staggs, I believe, came up with this chart, but he figured out over 50% of fantasy defensive points comes from sacks and interceptions. Last year, over 36% of defensive scoring came from sacks. 26 came from interceptions. So if you think about that, the pass rush, obviously the pass rush is going to give you the sacks. But they can also cause a quarterback to get flustered, uh, make unsound decisions, go through their reads too quickly, make poor choices, make bad throws, uh, get a little happy feet in the pocket. Who are we facing? 
Jimmy Garoppolo, who gets all of those things. Happy feet in the pocket. They're going to have a pass rush on him against, as I said, the 25th best uh, ranked offensive line. So only what? Uh, my math is terrible, but roughly seven teams are worse on the offensive line. How about, this is How about no Gronkowski? Yeah, right. So Jimmy Garoppolo with no Gronkowski, no Deion Lewis. Uh, it's a sneaky defense, but if you actually think about it, it's a really solid play. Uh, I like it. The, the, the Patriots are going to be on the road. I love taking a home defense. You know, they're going to get the crowd into it. Uh, and this is going to be a very low-owned defense. Not a lot of people are going to be on it. I think it's a great contrarian GPP play. I'm all over Arizona. The last one, we got the what you talking about, Willis. This is the rock bottom play. So something somebody's going to maybe do a double take at. Um, normally, you're within about $500 of the, the bot, rock bottom price. Um, I like your pick, so I'm just going to name mine two real quick. Of course, I already said Dak Prescott. He's rock bottom on both sites. Uh, my tight end, I threw out another one because since I already kind of talked about Dak Prescott. Clive Walford, he's only 3000 on DraftKings. Uh, the minimum price on DraftKings for tight ends is 2500 uh, Again, one of those high-scoring matchups against a team that is terrible against uh, tight ends. They were last year. So I think Clive Walford with a car thrown to him. I really like what Walford can do this year. Dave T. Thomas loves this guy, as do I. I just haven't seen it yet with Walford, but he could be a sneaky play if you're looking to um, save some money there and spend up at other positions. But who's your what you talking about, Willis? Pick well, the guy that I'm going with is uh, is Christine Michael. Yeah, and you know what? Again, it, it becomes it becomes relative, right? Because the thing that I, that I like about him is so he is um, on uh, it's forty eight hundred dollars that Christine Michael is on. Uh, uh, FanDuel, and when I look at him, and uh, let, me, let me pull up what he is here on, uh, he is $3,700 on DraftKings. You have a guy who is potentially going to get close to number one rushing numbers as far as touches, mm -hmm. or at least he's going to get 18 to 20 touches. At that price, that's ridiculous, okay? Where, in and especially, you know, for... For both leagues, thirty-seven hundred for for DraftKings is nothing. Forty-eight hundred dollars in in FanDuel is nothing. When you're going to be paying, I'm paying eighty-two hundred dollars for or eighty-four hundred dollars for Peterson, seventy-two hundred dollars for Doug Martin. Well, but if I wanted to take all that, and this is again, this is where you have to decide what's your strategy going to be, and you got to be smart about it. When you find these guys that are these low-end values, you say, okay, now I got an extra three thousand dollars that I can spend on this spot. Now, it just happened for me that I the, the whole matchup with New Orleans and uh, Oakland dictated where I was going this week. And then the other thing, being from Chicago, knowing how bad our secondary is, dictated, yes, I need to have Nuke. And, oh, my God, Nuke is, like, so reasonably priced compared to ODB, Julio Jones, and, and Antonio yeah. Brown that it makes no it, – it's, it's a, it's a no-brainer. So I, I was already saving money there. I was saving money with Derek Carr. By the time it, it all came to, to being said and done, I didn't need to go as low as Christine Michael to get the value that I needed. But if you do, go there because then you get that extra $3,000 to spend on somebody else and put that money toward a better uh, uh, third wide receiver or whatever it's going to be for you. 
Well, two things. Uh, w- one way you can get an advantage on these sites is the pricing comes out, you know, well, week one it came out very early, but usually comes out at the very beginning of the week. And Rawls was slated on DraftKings at 6000 Christine Michael 3700 because it was not expected to go this way. That's where a lot of times you're going to find the best advantage where a, a late – injury occurs or some guy that was priced lower because they weren't expected to start an injury happened to the guy in front of them that's where you're going to find a bargain and the other thing i talked about game script miami is 10 point underdogs at seattle so what does that mean for the game script for seattle they're going to get up quick they're going to run the ball and play defense and chew the clock Christine Michael is going to get fed the ball. They're up by uh, up by a lot. They're going to want to keep it like that. That that ten point indicates one. It could be a good defensive play, and two could be a good running back play. And that's another stack people don't even look at is running back defensive stacks. I like those, especially in a game like this. Uh, major underdog with Miami. Seattle's going to run the ball and play D. All I'm going to say is this is why it's so important. If you're not going to do the time to, to sit and do all that research and everything else, that's why you listen to us. That's why you, you should become a Pyro Pro member so you can get our rankings. So you can go in and you say, oh, my God, here's a guy that normally was in ADP for the whole season, uh, was a six-round draft pick, and they Pyromaniac has him listed as a, as a number four running back for the week. Well, then you need him in your lineup. And most likely when you go and you check the salary on DraftKings or you check the salary on FanDuel, you're going to go, holy cow, I got an amazing value here. And that's how you build winners. That's how I've, I've, I've won. Uh, you know, I, I enter a lot of these um, 1,500 people tournaments and things like that and whatever. I've finished top five so many times. And it's ridiculous. And it's because of taking advantage of this and doing the contrarian thing. Not going after the guys that are like the most obvious ones because if everybody has that player, you can't make any ground on anybody. You have to make ground by doing the things that people are not doing. They have to do the Paul Charchian way of drafting. You have to do the same thing when you're thinking about DFS. Yeah, do the opposite, man. You, you got to get contrarian, especially with the tournament plays. Like you say, the GPP, there's so many people. Got to differentiate yourself a little bit. You mentioned the Pyro Pro. Uh, I mean, if you want to dominate your league, Pyro Pro is what you need. You can do a week, a month, a year. You get the news feeds. You get the rankings, which have our new heat index, which is just incredible. And every week we get more data. The heat index becomes more and more accurate access to the resource toolbox. You can follow up to 100 players so you don't have to nitpick and sift. All of it gets fed right to you. And perhaps one of the biggest things, you can ask as many questions as you want to the Mindshare on the second opinions page. That's the Pyro Pro membership. It is just fantastic. Um, Now's the time to do it. One last thing I'm going to mention, uh, once again, if you leave us a review on iTunes, you can be entered to win the Walter Payton Sweetness Limited Edition print. We've got two of those we're going to be giving away after week four. So basically, you've got the rest of this month in the first week. We're going to uh, offer it off November 7th. So you'll probably hear it November 8th, but get your reviews in through November 7th and you could win the limited edition Walter Payton Sweetness print. Just give us a review on iTunes. Grab it on your screen grab and send it to me, Mozambique at Pyromaniac.com. You can find my uh, email if you can't remember, but you can find my email on Twitter. Follow me at Pyromaniac Mo. The rest of the crew is at Pyromaniac, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. 
Okay, my friend, hey. what, what else have you for us tonight before we close on out of here? All I want to say is this has been a, a fantastic, fun time hanging out with you, but I wanted to find out your last cheap play before we end this cheap trick of a awesomely long, light podcast. Well, I kind of already mentioned a little bit with the, the Dak Prescott because, man, $5,000 is rock bottom for the quarterback uh, on either site, you, you can't get any cheaper. Yeah, don't you have the tight end, though? Oh, and the tight end, uh, Clive Walford yeah. was the guy that I have. Clive Walford, again, <laughs> we're talking the same things over and over. One of the three games that slated to score over 50 points, Derek Carr, I really think he's going to find a nice bond with Walford. If you've listened to anything with uh, the Pyro Light earlier, Dave T. Thomas, he's been a scout in the NFL for 40 plus years. He's been talking about Walford since he came into the league. He's been excited about this guy. When I did the, the rookie tight end talk. He brought up Walford numerous times. We weren't even slated to talk about Walford. That's how much Dave T. Thomas loves this guy. And Dave T. Thomas, his first job was with the Raiders. He uh, he emailed me from Raiders camp talking up Clive Walford. Uh, this guy has really caught the eye of a lot of folks in the business. And I think Walford, this is a great week for him to break out. Uh, it's going to be a high scoring game against a team that is very susceptible to the tight end spot. Awesome. All right, my man, uh, you know, we called this the pyro light because we're, we're supposed to be short and, and quick and sweet. But, man, I don't know, pyromaniacs, but we just can't uh, we, we can't do it. I, I love this stuff and I spend so much time doing research and everything. When I get the chance to spew, we spew. Well, and you got Houdini on here and I'm used to three hour podcasts, so I'm getting off easy as far as I'm concerned. So all good. All good. <laughs> and a pleasure to talk football. Pleasure to be in week one. Uh, this is just, this is good stuff. And, uh, we're so happy to bring it to you. And I just, I just love talking fantasy football. Yeah, man. Uh, it seems like it's been a long time and I'm already waiting. Uh, my, it's my Saturday. We've, or uh, my Sunday, we've moved in to a new house. So tomorrow, Saturday, I'm going to be doing all those little finishing touches. I don't quite have my man cave completed, but I'm going to be doing the finishing touches. So my Sunday is complete i cannot wait well my, my my weekend will be complete even though i have my in-laws coming into town tomorrow uh i'm still watching my iowa hawkeyes go hawks play iowa state and crush the, the those those losers from lames tomorrow night and then i'm watching hopefully uh i don't think it's going to happen it bears victory but i will be looking forward to many fantasy four fantasy league victories uh of my all my leagues on sunday yeah, I've got my in-laws coming Sunday, which I view as a good thing. They're going to be able to watch the three kids and sort of keep oh, them occupied. Absolutely. And and they know that, hey, they're going to let me put my feet up and um, the wife might make some snacks and bring them out from the oven hot and piping and ready to go. And I will be too. Uh, Houdini, this has been great, man. We don't do this enough. So thanks for sitting in on the light with me and uh, I look forward to doing it again with you. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right, Pyromaniacs, that was Houdini. I am Pyromaniac Mo. This has been episode 44 of the Pyrolite Podcast. Stay tuned for The Bamboos, The Witch, and until the next time, we will catch you on the flip side. (laughs) 